I believe the eavesdroppers are giving us shade already in the chat about stuff not working. Uh, let us know in the chat if things are a bit janky tonight because we're doing lots of different things. But anyway, hello, willkommen, bienvenue. Um, Ben's taking this opportunity to try and sort his mic out. Oh, well, yeah. why not? <laughs> Happy New Year. It's 2024. It's episode 311 of the Arms Inquisition. I'm Phil. I'm Ben. I'm Matt. And we're very happy tonight to be joined by author, artist, and uh, vagabond all Fire around. owner. Gadfly. Yeah. Rake. Bob Osborne. How are you, Bob? I'm very well, thank you. I like all those descriptions. Dear. I, I don't yeah, know I've where they came far from. far worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's nice to see you. Happy New Year, Bob. And the same to you, mate. We were uh, talking offline about... Um, Although it's not actually the new year. The new year is April the 1st, um, but that's part of the Illuminati mind games to uh, con the sheep into thinking it's New Year's on the 31st. And we're off. <laughs> right. So you'll go form a social ritual. Yeah, go on, explain. What, what's all, what are you on about now? Well, the new year is actually on April the 1st, um, but they've, they've changed the calendars to make it... Uh, December the 31st, so that people engage in a social ritual, which means going out, getting drunk, taking those drugs and things like that. So basically, what? people are just conforming to a, an artificial date, but we're not going to go into that. Oh, come on. Why did, Why was it April the 1st? Was it um, something to do with harvest, uh, you know, springtime, something? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the original um, pagan New Year, uh, which goes back way, you know, way back. And also Jesus's birth, of course, is not December the 31st either. It's actually September. But um, anyway, we're all living in the Matrix, so, you know, we have to expect these things. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes, true. I was reading something else while well, we were talking about it on last show about um, it was in the year 1666 or something. I think it was 21st of, 21st of March, I think, in the UK was New Year's Day, somewhere around then. Yeah, it normally used to coincide with the... Um, the equinox or the change of seasons, and um, of course that's um, you know midsummer, and then that's the spring equinox. So effectively, going way back, uh, the, the spring is the birth of the new year. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on from that because we were talking offline before we uh, decided to meet up tonight, and um, wondering sort of what to talk about for this show. And you were telling us that you'd been doing some some new research on uh, Alistair Crowley and Thalema and um, the kind of um, people he was hanging around with and who he influenced, uh, people who've, who subsequently became very notorious in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, a, this is one of those stories when you literally you couldn't make it up. Um, how I came to go down this rabbit hole is that, as you know, I wrote a book called um, Zen or Spirit of Place uh, last year, which hardback sold out fortunately and now it's gone to paperback 
Um, we had a lot of interest because I was looking at Crowley, the influence of communes, the influence of the Oates Lawrence and, and Frieda von Richthofen and people like Huxley, the Fabians. Um, I then did a load of filmed interviews with Basis Project, which is run by Miles Johnson. Some of your people might know about that. Um, they mainly are interested in UFO abductees, but they got interested in my research. And then I did um, a talk in Pusey um, about the Fabians, the transhumanist agenda, and, and how Crowley was really one of the architects of the counterculture. So we actually went back uh, afterwards, and um, I was chatting to all these UFO people. I'm not a ufologist, by the way. Um, it's not my spirit uh, area of research. But I was telling them how Jack Parsons, who ran the Jet Propulsion Laboratory with one, you know, was involved deeply with Von Hubbard, uh, and then the creation of NASA, which was also involved the Nazi um, Nazi people that came over in Operation Paperclip. And I was telling them that Jack Parsons and Ron Hubbard were both controlled by Alistair Crowley. So they couldn't believe this. So I presented them with, with some of the research I've done. And of course, they want me to, um, you know, do something on that. And when I've gone down this rabbit hole, it's quite incredible, you know, how everything links up to my my other research. So when I suggested that we can talk about a couple of things today, one of them was was Nephilim, um, which relates to my great uncle, who was a giant from Nephilim bloodline. And now, of course, in Florida, you've got uh, suspicions that the Nephilim have been seen. Also, we're getting ready for the Project Blue Beam, which is the fake um, alien invasion. So that agenda is going to roll out in the next um, year or two. But going back to um, Jack Parsons, um, it, it really piqued my interest because I came at it from the position where I was looking at Crowley. And one of the things I've researched is sex magic. Uh, which is, you know, quite a good thing to research. And um, that, there's another story behind that. But if you can put the, uh, Jack Parsons on the screen. Yep, here he is. I don't know if you uh, I can't see it, but I don't know if any of you, your followers know about Jack Parsons, but he was um, one of the mavericks of the rocket science industry in California in the 30s. So he's born in 1914 in Pasadena. And he was kind of a, a prodigal genius, really, that when he was uh, at school, he got expelled for blowing up the toilets. He was making rockets. Uh, he was fascinated by science fiction, especially people like uh, George Verne and H.G. Wells. So he really um, started experimenting with rockets, and he's also deeply involved with the occult. From an early age, he'd, um, he'd been following Crowley and also reading... Um, a lot of um, a lot of wells and things like that. So he was very interested in the UFO phenomena, in in, in getting a man on the moon, and with um, some friends of his, they got access to um, uh, the Guggenheim um, Laboratories in in California Institute of Technology. So even at an early age, he was identified by the military um, for really being a bit of a genius. So even as a student, he was having conversations with Werner von Braun. He was a German rocket scientist who then came over to, uh, to to America after the war with thousands of other scientists to, to be involved with Operation Paperclip. Uh, and it was really him, him that was responsible for, you know, the Saturn V and putting the man on the moon. So apart from his involvement in, um, in experimenting with, with jet propulsion, um, 
Jack Parsons was was heavily into the occult, and he, from an early age, was performing um, black magic rituals. He was um, in, involved in sex magic, and uh, he got kind of identified by by Crowley. Um, if you can go on to the second uh, slide. Yep. What oh. happened? How I got into this research is that in my first book, I was I was researching communes that had spread from from Europe during the First World War, and there was also one here at, at Zeno, yeah. which is where I'm living now. I'm actually living in the cottage where, where Lawrence, the H. Lawrence. There's a lot uh, of uh, information about that in your book, actually, isn't there? Yeah, that 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 was a massive area of research, and of course, that's also spread out into lots of other areas of research now. So that commune was really central to the idea that they're going to spread communes through the world. And also the commune or the counterculture is a great way of, um, of manipulating people. So funny enough, I did a, a couple of things led on to me when I looked at some of your early people that you were talking to, including Mark Devlin, who's done great work on, on the counterculture. Mm. And he was mentioning about uh, Marianne Faithful and, and the Stones. Well, I, I can't really go into the Stones because I'm connected to them. But Marianne Faithful's father... Um, Robert Glynn Faithful, um, worked for MI5, and it was him that interrogated Himmler. <laughs> so Marianne Faithful grew up on um, uh, on a commune in, in the New Forest, and um, she wrote a book, uh, which is very good, uh, and mentioned about sex and Schopenhauer. So really, her and Anita Pallenberg were kind of early... Honey traps, really, for, and, and the stone. I know a lot about the stones, but I'm not going to go into that now. Uh, but the stones are all connected to Kenneth Anger, which which comes into later when I start talking about Parsons. Now, the other strange bit of synchronicity was that I think you had a lady who talked about Gurdjieff, yeah. um, which piqued my attention because, you know, again going back to my research here, one of the women here was Catherine Mansfield, who was was uh, involved with um, with Lawrence's. Uh, friend Middleton Murray. So Lawrence was trying to do sex rituals here on the moors and Catherine Mansfield was also highly promiscuous and, and a drug taker connected to Crowley. And um, she um, she went to, to live in uh, Gurdjieff's uh, Institute for Harmonious uh, Development, which is really? like... Really? Effectively, it's, it, it's looking for the fourth dimension. Now, the fourth dimension taps into a lot of the, the Kundalini research, sex magic research that these people have done so the links between all these people are phenomenal now when she went to work in uh, to live with Gurdjieff who she became obsessed she actually died there uh, very young she had gonorrhea and the really weird thing is that at that time in 1922 Crowley also had a uh, an office in Fontainebleau which was part of the OTO which was this secret society that that, that is very connected with with what, what went on with um, in California in the 30s and weirdly, um, there's some people who've done some digging into this, and I'm quite fascinated by the fact that Gurdjieff was actually not who we think he is. He was a, a British intelligence asset whose real name was Frederick Dottle, and um, he was uh, working for British intelligence. He was born in the East End in Whitechapel. Uh, he had the ability to speak lots of languages. Then he became Gurdjieff, which led on to other people like uh, or and, and people like that. Again, a big counterculture icon. And Gurdjieff was actually, at that time, probably controlled by Crowley. 
Now, this seems very fanciful, but when I later found out that Parsons, Jack Parsons, uh, was un and Ron Hubbard were also under the control of Alistair Crowley, it all started fitting in, really. And it's just another piece of that thing where you get a jigsaw puzzle, and that the more pieces you put in, the, the more the bigger picture comes out. Yeah, the so, easier it gets in some ways, the further you get along. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is the thing about doing this in, in this research. And like I explained, I think, in our previous talk, I have a very weird brain in, in the sense that I can make connections that probably logical people wouldn't normally make. And that's part of a being being psychic, being a, being a Romney gypsy, um, being a bit of a ducker and diver, and also using the analeptic process, which is a form of astral travel. So all this information like floods into me. And on that second slide, you can see Jack Parsons there um, with his wife, um, Helen Northrup, and there's a guy, on, the other guy is Wilfred Smith. Now, I'm just going to make this brief because it's a very complicated story, but in 1912, Alistair Crowley was made head of the OTO. The OTO is the Order um, Templis Orientis, which was a secret society that was set up at the Ascona Commune, and it's based on the Bavarian Freemasonry, ancient Bavarian Freemasonry Society. And Crowley took control of this society, which was quite a significant thing because this, this was spreading out throughout the world through a collection of secret societies. And he set up something called the Agape Lodge, um, which was uh, an OTO society in, in Pasadena, uh, in Southern California, just outside Los Angeles. And at that time, Jack Parsons um, became obsessed with Crowley. But, but this isn't just an isolated incident because this was happening in lots of other places as well. So Crowley's agent was a guy called Wilfred Smith, who I think is on that um, image. And Wilfred Smith ran the OTO in Vancouver and then was sent to, to run, run the OTO in, um, in Pasadena, Southern California, because a lot was happening in, in California at that time, including Aldous Huxley, um, a lot of other people were, were getting involved in the counterculture movement. So you could see that, that Jack Parsons had a double life. By day, he was um, a, a, a really um, up-and-coming uh, rocket scientist who, who you know, was employed by the government, uh, was doing brilliant research. But at night time, he was like leading this double life as, a, as an occultist, a black magician. And, um, you know, the FBI started taking an interest in him. And... He was performing some of these rites. And if you go to the third um, slide, that yeah. guy is, is a guy called Wilfred T. Smith. Now, he was uh, he was Alistair Crowley's agent in, in to, to run the Agape Lodge. And right. he, he kind of infiltrated into um, or invited Jack Parsons into his occult society. Now, Jack Parsons, th there was a lodge in Hollywood, you know, ironically, um, that, that Crowley had set up in, in or been there in 1916. Uh, Hollywood also became a big centre for, um, as many people know, for black magic, Satanism, which goes on to this day. Uh, you know, so people like um, Anton LaVey, the Church of Satan, uh, Kenneth Anger, who figures significantly in this story, um, plus all, all, all the stuff about Polanski, Rosemary's Baby, you know, all, all that stuff. That is, is a development from what was going on uh, with these secret societies that Crowley set up. So the guy, Wilfred T. Smith, um, was running this lodge in Pasadena under Crowley's instruction, and he infiltrated himself into Jack Parsons' life. 
So he he was like um, a very charming Englishman, and Parsons fell under his power. So when he was doing black magic, which was with Parsons in in Pasadena, he also um, had an affair with Parsons' wife, uh, Helen Northrup, and actually had a child two years later. Right. So, you know, you can see how all the sex magic rituals, um, you know, it's always tinged with a lot of um, a lot of mind control and a lot of uh, um, completely licentious behaviour, and of course, elements of mistrust. You know, phenomenal. So, if you go to the to the uh, the next image, you can see Jack Parsons. I mean, he was a very he was a, he was a geek really. You know, he was a very brilliant uh, chemist, but I think he probably wasn't the most streetwise uh, per person so when he uh, was a youth he, he was influenced by a lot of pulp fiction mm. and his, his whole life seems to be one long film noir you know uh, the circumstances of him become a fa- becoming a famous rocket scientist getting involved with Crowley and, and then his, his, his incredible um, suspicious death his involvement with the FBI uh, with, with Werner von Braun you know, it literally it, it's a Pulp Fiction movie. So he was he was looking at things like darker than you think as a kid, and th- this was um, th- this was about a, a shamanic tribe who who were descended from wolves who who managed to defeat Homo sapiens, and they could only exist in 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 the current world by shape shifting into humans. So this is the kind of literature that that Parsons was reading alongside his you know his advanced quantum physics and his chemistry. So. What fascinated me was that there's always like a, a really big link between black magic and advanced um, advanced science. So if you look at things like, which is a whole different story, but the United Nations, of course, is, is based on black magic principles. It's based on Thelemic um, philosophy. Um, you know, th- this link between um, higher intelligence and and the military, you know, it's a very powerful one. And, um, of course, the Romans and the Greeks believed that the, 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 the super-intelligent creative people could tap into or, or could tap into demons or demons would tap into them in order for them to access information. So if you go to the um, the next one... Um, well, it was Crowley oh, in his uh, military is, garb. Is Crowley, yeah. I mean, this is, this is all figures very significantly in, in the research I did about, about Zenob because um, Zenob was, um, there was a commune at Zenob that, that, that people were there that were very influenced by Crowley's black magic rituals, his philosophy of Thelema. So in 1912, he was, he was inducted into being the head of the OTO, which is this um, secret society that, that really controlled Freemasonry. Uh, and effectively, the OTO is is what we would now consider. You know, people talk about the Illuminati. So, he was put in a position of power in 1912 by by the German Theodor Roos, who who ran the OTO, and they would do black magic rituals. And part of the agenda was was to to, to create the new environment for the Eon of Horus. You know, which was the age of of chaos, to a certain, the the age of Aquarius as well. So. Crowley seemed to be everywhere, um, and the fact that, that Crowley was, was was running a lodge in, in uh, California that that, it, that used both Hubbard and Parsons is just beyond coincidence. Because you know Hubbard, of course, went on to do uh, Scientology, and, and, and so he had this power, and, and he had lodges, and he had people running these lodges, and all these lodges used to pay him money as well. So quite apart from 
you know, being someone who could decode Enochian magic and, and, and had the most incredible um, uh, ability to, to summon demons and angels and, uh, and, and really set up the whole mind control thing. You know, he was also eking uh, out a living. So the next character, of course, is Ron Hubbard. Um, now, I think people know that there's a connection between Jack Parsons and Ron Hubbard, but... Mm. It, I mean, it's on Wikipedia. Yeah, there's a lot of information. It's quite a sordid story. Um, what happened is that, that um, Parsons and his wife, Helen uh, Northrop, were engaged in... Um, a lot of sex magic rituals. So, so they were running a house in in um, Pasadena, and, and Parsons had made money. So he, he bought this place um, in in South Orange Grove, and he called it the Parsonage. And effectively, he was getting people there. Uh, he only was was letting rooms to to artists, to, to occultists. You know, he, he had a very dark side. And I think one of the books about Parsons is called The Dark Angel. So he he had this house, and of course, it was attracting the attention of the FBI because. Um, he, he was also working in, 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 he had security clearance to work in, uh, you know, top secret programs, you know, de de designing um, uh, rockets. So, so was, they he, kept was he still found... running JPL at this point? Was he sort of working on his own or at, <laughs> yeah. the, at the university, California Institute of Technology? But he was, yeah. he, he hadn't been rolled into any other organisations yet. He was just sort of quite independent in that way. Really, they created, JPL was Jet Propulsion Laboratories. Uh, and that was really the embryo for NASA. Yeah. Uh, and they decided that, that Parsons, and he had another guy called Ed Foreman, there was a group of them, and they were called the Suicide Squad, because they'd create these rockets, and, of course, often things would go wrong. So they gave him access to the, um, to the laboratories in the Guggenheim, and they kept an eye on him. And he was obviously a loose cannon. Um, but at that time... Jack Propulsion Laboratory was also jokingly called Jack Parsons Lab because he was the main man. You know, he, he was one of those um, geniuses that, 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 that was really way ahead of his time. So um, when he got involved with um, running the Parsonage, they kept an eye on him, but they were, they were worried because um, him being so young and, and, and he was taking all the drugs known to man. He was taking peyote and, and magic mushrooms and... Uh, um, you know, they, they were in gold. Him and Helen Northrup were, were both under the followers of, of Crowley's Thelemic religion, which involved a lot of sex magic. And the sex magic was, was, was a way of bringing in entities from the outside. So it, it ties into the UFO phenomenon, really. So they were, they were experimenting with uh, OTO um, 8, 9, 10, uh, 11 sex magic. Um, and then, of course, Wilfred Smith... Um, uh, bedded, um, bedded uh, Parsons' wife. Now, Crowley wasn't happy with that because Crowley, you know, was running this thing, and Crowley was a control freak, so he liked to to, to have all these lodges. You know, he had a he had a, a different vision of 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 Jack Parsons. He he wanted Jack Parsons to be his replacement. You know, lots of people became uh, Crowley's replacements. Uh, also, people like Timothy Leary, Kenneth Angles, all thought they were following in in Crowley's footsteps. So he was grooming Parsons uh, Parsons to be. Um, the leader of the OTO in California in the Agape Lodge, uh, which also attracted people like uh, Aldous Huxley and um, a lot of other people there. So he, he was... Um, when when Hubbard ran off with um, Parsons' um, wife, 
Parsons was also um, shagging uh, her sister, Helen's sister, Sarah Betty Northrop, and she was, uh, I think, 17. And when Helen Northrop was away, um, Betty started wearing her sister's clothes and declared herself as Parsons' new wife. So you can imagine that there's a lot of drug taking, uh, and it was a very promiscuous um, environment. And the FBI, you know, had reports that they investigated where um, a 16-year-old boy was sodomized, uh, a pregnant woman had run through a fire nine times. You know, there was a lot of rituals that that, that were rituals based on Crowley's uh, sex magic, which I've also um, got personal experience of. So uh, the FBI were constantly monitoring them, and, and their concern was that, that, that at that time Parsons also had com- well, they think he had communist tendencies. So anyone at that time who was a bohemian, of course, fell under suspicion. And the FBI file on, on Parsons, you know, which at that time was run by Hoover, Edgar Hoover, was like hundreds of pages long. So they're constantly monitoring him. So it was all getting out of hand. And then when Hubbard came in, um, Hubbard had claimed to have known about Crowley before, um, although there's many people, including Crowley, who think he was just a chancer. Um you know, he's, he was a he was a charming con man, and uh, of course went on to to to, to make millions with with his Scientology. But he did have a talent for for uh, mind controlling people, and and certainly Parsons came under his control, as did um, Parsons' wife. So, if you go on to the next um, article, um, that that's um, we got a picture Sarah, of uh, Sarah Northrop Hubbard. So after um, Parsons. When got off with with his first wife's sister Sarah, uh, his first wife had gone off with Wilfred Smith, uh, and then actually developed a long relationship with him, so that that did endure. But then Sarah was was a very slippery character, and and she fell for the charms of Ron Hubbard. So Ron Hubbard was bedding um, uh, Sarah Northrop, uh, Parsons' uh, girlfriend at the time. Parsons was also bisexual. So this parsonage, you know, you know, was just basically one big extended um, oh, drug-taking commune, really. And the, the Agape Lodge, this is where the Agape Lodge was based. So although although Crowley had, had set this up to a certain extent, you know, all the rituals they were, they were doing it had become completely decadent. You know, Crowley's idea of, of these rituals was a, had a very different vision of what Hubbard and... Um, and Parsons and uh, the entourage of, of truck addicts and uh, bohemians were, were all doing this. Of course, it was attracting a lot of attention as well. So uh, before I go into the sex ritual stuff, um, after the, the Babylon workings, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, Hubbard had and Sarah Northrup um, set up a business where they were buying yachts and they were using Parsons' money. So H- Hubbard clearly was a con man. And much later, there was a story that, that he was put in by the FBI in order to, to, to monitor this lodge. But I think that's just, just a bit of a front, really. So they set up a business where they were buying yachts with Parsons' money. And then, um, you know, they, they absconded. And, of course, Crowley found out about all of this and told Parsons to, to, you know, to get it all together and sort it out. He mistrusted, mistrusted Sarah Northrop. He thought she was a vampire. So at that time... Parsons, you know, both of his um, his wife and his sister had gone off with firstly Wilfred Smith and, and then Ron Hubbard. So he was in a kind of a, a bit of a fragile state. So despite that, he was 
to a certain extent under the control of, of, of Ron Hubbard. And, and um, he, he decided to, to carry on performing his sex rituals, which, which became the Babylon working. And, and the sex ritual was, was the OTO sex ritual number eight, which was basically masturbation. Um, and um, he, he used uh, Ron Hubbard as his scribe. I'm not going to go into graphic detail because I don't know oh, what your viewers. <laughs> I, I can, but but you know, let's just say there's a lot of there's no, there's no digestive in, biscuits involved, is there? A lot of dressing up involved, <laughs> oh, okay. and um, you know, a lot of sacrifice. And and they had an altar in their house, and they, you know, Parsons had a big picture of Crowley on on the wall, you know, and um, they were in, in, involved in various sex rituals. And one of the, the early sex rituals they, they were forming, which is in order to the Babylon working. Now, the, the sex ritual called the Babylon working was in order to, to bring forth what's called a moon child or an entity uh, or, or open a portal for extra, you know, ETs to come in. So it's all connected to, to UFO, to, to Crowley's sex rituals about the Eon of Horus and, and Babylon. So they were doing these sex rituals. And... Um, Hubbard absconded. So at that time, uh, there's also links to, to John Dee and Edward Kelly. Now, I think probably you know and some of your people will know who John Dee and Edward Kelly they were. John Dee was Queen Elizabeth's magician. Um, he was an astronomer, a mathematician, very brilliant man. Um, and he had Edward Kelly, who was his squire. So Edward Kelly was this Irish psychic. So um, uh, they were employed by the court. At that time, in Elizabethan times, you know, effectively that was the beginning of, of the military intelligence, and, and the first James Bond type was a guy called Sir Francis Walsingham. So, it was common at that time to employ magicians, employ astrologers, because they were much more in touch with, um, you know, the mystic sciences, the black magic, and all of the stuff that came down through the Rosicrucians, the, the Knights Templars. You know, it, it, it was much more. It hadn't been hidden and, 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 you know, kept underground as it is now. So. They were using Enochian magic, which was the magic that John Dee had encoded, um, uh, in, in order to use angelic language to bring in entities. So they were, they were dabbling with um, with this. And the interesting thing is that, 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 that Edward Kelly was a very dark character. He, he would dig up bodies. He was into necrophilia. He was kind of an early, early Jimmy Savile, really. And um, so... Uh, he also ran off with John Dee's wife and took and stole all his money. This is in like in the 16th century, and now you've got 1946. Um, Frank Parsons and Ron Hubbard are, are, are reenacting this Enochian magic that that um, using the Enochian keys and the Enochian tablets to summon in entities or or demons or angels, whatever you want to call them. And of course, this was done under the auspices of, of, of Crowley because they were taken advice from Crowley because Crowley was one of the few people that could decode the Enochian tablets and, and, and access the codes and, and the gematria and the language. So almost it's really weird in the sense that the same pattern happened. Um, Parsons and Hubbard, Hubbard ran off with, with Parsons' wife and then absconded with all his money. So uh, another coincidence. But, but when Crowley found out about this, he was absolutely livid because he thought these people really didn't know what they were doing. If you go to the next um, photo, what happened is, is that Parsons um, 
I'll say another picture of Sarah Northrup, I think. No, no, no. Smoking that's, a fag. Actually, that's, that's a woman called Marjorie Cameron, who is a very interesting oh. person who I've done a lot of um, research into. She looks a bit like um, Sarah Northrup, but it's actually not. Because the thing about Crowley's... Um, which which were rubbed off from Parsons. He had this vision of the Scarlet Woman or the whole of Babylon. And they all tended to be, you know, witches really, a bit, you know. So Marjorie Cameron um, entered into the scene. Parsons um, was doing a, a ritual in the Mojave Desert with, with Hubbard, where Hubbard was, was, was scribing um, the voices that were coming through basically involved with, with Parsons doing a lot of masturbation, a, a, a lot of um, you know holding the energy from from masturbation, trying to trying to summon entities. And this really wasn't working very well. So Parsons decided he needed a muse, and a lot of these um, uh, Crowley worked through muses, and, and and so did people that I've you know I've worked through muses, and, and Robert Graves, who who I work with had this concept of the muse and it's, it's a very old concept that 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 women can represent you know can, can lead you into into areas where the, you wouldn't normally um access information so part of the sex magic was that that, that parsons needed a <laughs> so they're in the mojave desert he's he's masturbating in a way ron hubbard's you know Writing all down, writing down all the voices and you know detailing it all in in detail which was written later in books and then suddenly Parsons seemed to have a moment of illumination and he said that we've summoned uh, the Whore of Babylon, which was one of the essences of this, this sex ritual. So they went back to uh, the parsonage and at that very same time, this woman, Marjorie Cameron, was knocking on their door. <laughs> uh, so she, if you see photographs of her, she fitted the description of the Whore of Babylon. She had, like, red hair. Um, she was 24, I think, um, a, a very disturbed woman, a, a witch, who, who used to she used to drive around LA in a hearse. Um, she actually became a very fine fine artist. But, but as a child, she um, was very promiscuous. Her mother performed an abortion on her when she was a teenager. Um, clearly, very unstable. And of course, she was also a follower of, of Crowley's um, Crowley's sex rituals. So she found out about what was going on in, in the parsonage, and they wanted to be part of the scene. So she turned up, and then when Parsons saw her. Uh, he immediately identified her as, as the whore of Babylon, who he'd been trying to summon in the Mojave Desert. So uh, with, within a few months, they were married. Um, sh she became Parsons' main muse. You know, she was a very important part of that Babylon working. And also, as I might go into if we get time, later in, in her life, she became a very important part of the South Californian counterculture. So if you can see below here um she she was also an artist who um believed that she could astral travel uh and and, and she could um she was obsessed with bringing in the the apocalypse uh, and um she, she did a painting here of 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 um jack parsons and you can see there that that there's lots of the um occult symbology you know jack parsons's name in the agape lodge was uh, was phoenix uh, and uh, of course phoenix goes back to phoenicia and, and uh, you know the, the montauk is all very much part of the scene so you can see he's he's got the, the phoenix wings and, and he's got the, the the hands of pan so it all goes back to a lot of this egyptian um, occultism and black magic that is based on baphomet worship and he's yeah, uh, the, cut his toenails as well don't he 
Yeah. So that's the kind of doing. Um, you know, she actually became a very fine, fine artist. And After this, just below right. that. <laughs> Sorry. Just below <laughs> that. Oh my gosh, the uh, this egghead egghead thing. That that is the first that is the first grey that wow. has ever been depicted. And, 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 that was, that and that's Margaret. Was it who painted it? As Crowley. A Crowley. Oh. So the Babylon working um <laughs> was a revisiting of a work in that had been done um in nineteen eighteen by Mr. Crowley when he was in um <laughs> In New York, and it's called the Amalantra working, and this is a very complicated. But but how it, how I got onto this is that there's rumours from a supposed son of Alistair Crowley. Now Alistair Crowley had a son in in Newlyn, and that's all in my Zeno book. Uh, and, and I I know I go to that house, and I've done all the research on 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 the mother of Crowley's son. But he also had a rumour that there was um he opened a portal from the Menans Hole, which is a fertility symbol. A facility um, site just up on the moors from me here, which, um, and that he'd opened a portal to Montauk. Um, now I've actually done a sex magic ritual on, on that um, on the Manantau, and now I've got a one-year-old child uh, to show for it. So all I can say is that, that it does seem to work. <laughs> so when he was in, uh, I hope he didn't come out well, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he was in New York. Um, this this is a whole new a diff, whole big scene as well. He he did a, a work in where he summed up Lamb, and, and this is the his vision of Lamb. And this was in a in a gallery in Greenwich Village in 1918. Helen Blavatsky used it, you know, for one of her books, The Voice of Science. It was Crowley that, that, that really made the first image of what we now know as the Greys, and this is the archetype of of, of the Grey aliens. Wow. So was that? Did you say you drew that in the the twenties, nineteen twenty? Nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. Wow. <laughs> he did it originally in nineteen eighteen. He was also in Camp Hero in Montauk, and uh, the Montauk project and the Philadelphia experiment. There's many people believe, and, and I'm one of those, that these were all Crowley thelemic rituals, and um, I, I've got all the receipts on that. Um, it's very complicated, but you know. The premise is that, that Crowley opened a portal in in 1918 that allowed the Greys to come in. And the thing about Crowley's opening portals, he did this a lot, that you had to close the portal, and he opened it with an Enochian key. In order to close that portal, um, you had to reverse the Enochian magic. Uh, otherwise, he'd open up an interdimensional um you, you know, you, you, you'd fuck up the space-time continuum and then things would come in. So the whole thing about uh, Parsons and, and Hubbard messing around with these Crowley rituals is that when it all went wrong after the, the, the second Babylon working, uh, Crowley washed his hands of them and said he didn't want anything more to do with them. They were a pair of louts. Um, and effectively, you know, the whole scene he'd set up... Um, it all went. It all went seriously wrong. Um, just, just on while we're going back to the 1918 bit. If you go down to the next um, image of Lamb again, um, Lamb um, in Tibetan means means um, pathway or gateway. And ironically, um, where I am now, um, I've done quite a lot of research in, into Tibetan um, Tibetan Buddhism and, and Tibetan. Uh, 
uh, black magic rituals and, uh, and other occultism, and a lot of it links into um, into what went on here because the Dalai Lama has been trying to buy the, the cottage up on the Khan here that, that that Crowley performed a black magic ritual in really? where he summoned up um, a, a reptilian, an eight foot winged reptilian. So the, the fact that Lam relates to Tibet also there's a, another whole dimension which which involves the Thula Society, the Vril Society, Edward Bowell, and David Bowie was, was was very much part of this as well. I mean, I could do another thing on David Bowie at some time, if you like, because Bowie uh, was was part of the Crowley um, Crowley rituals. Do you so, think, he, just quickly, do you think Bowie fates his own death? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Just um, checking. I, I, was, I was with one of, um, one of David Bowie's um, best friends on the day he died at the Chelsea oh. Arts Club. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the film A Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, Nicholas Roy, very good film, by the way. Um, Bowie was involved with a lot of things. Uh, he was also a, a massive follower of Crowley, and when he was going through his, his time in the 70s, when he was taking a lot of heroin, he would only stay on the 33rd floor in hotels. He was performing rituals. He was obsessed with Himmler, uh, Thula Society. He, he, you know, he, he got involved in a lot of dark stuff. Uh, also, he's talk about um, you know black cities, and in 1999 he was involved with with a, with a game called Omicron, uh, ironically, which is one of the um, names of the you know for the fake, um, <laughs> which we're not going to uh, mention. Um, and this game was where people are possessed by demons, and um, so you know that, that's a whole different story. But you yeah. can see here. That's the dollar bill on the right. Mm. So, I don't remember seeing that on the dollar bill. Yeah, there's what there's old dollar bills and there's ways of of, of scrunching it up. Oh right. Also, people believe that um, that twin towers was was a Crowley ritual, and I also believe that because one of Crowley's magic formulas is one plus one equals two, which is a very simplified version, and it's to do with with the bringing in the Eon of Horus. So, we won't really go too much into that now. But Sorry. the next image is when um, Margaret Cameron, um, after after Parsons died, um, she became a very um, very successful artist, and, and and she did this thing, you know, with, with a woman with a serpent being having sex with with um, with with an, with an alien, so. The Babylon working in 1946 involved Marjorie Cameron and Jack Parsons bringing in what's called a moonchild. In order to do this, that they did um, practice a lot of a lot a lot of sex rituals. As soon as they got married, they spent 11 days literally having sex um, permanently, and th- this was to do with um, with bringing in the moonchild and. and Alistair Crowley had written a book called Moonchild in 1917, which was only published in 1929. And effectively, the, the Moonchild is where you, you 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 have a baby on the astral plane, and this baby effectively becomes the whore of Babylon. So um, they would do rituals where they would play, I think it was um, Prokofiev and, and Rachmaninoff, uh, and also, the, you know, the that there's various rituals that involve um, semen, semen and blood. Uh, and it's about, you know, having a baby on the astral plane that might not 
you know, be a physical entity, but will then come in at some future stage. Now, they performed all these rituals and um, it didn't seem to work, although Marjorie Cameron did get pregnant and she went... Um, she went away for a while. She left. She left Parsons. He didn't have much luck with women. And um, later, she claimed that she did have a baby on the astral plane, um, but Parsons was completely kept in the dark about this. So, after the Babylon working, um, everything kind of fell apart. Really, he he lost his security clearance because of his. It's not public knowledge. It's because of his connection with Crowley. But clearly. Um, Crowley's one of those people who, who never really gets put in the frame for anything. You know, they claim that he he was selling secrets to you know, he was a communist, um, that he was involved with depravity. Um, so he lost his security clearance. And then eventually, you know, after they got all the information they wanted from him about, you know, the jet propulsion uh, work that he did, he, he kind of fell apart a bit mentally. And, um, you know, the drug taken had taken its role and... Uh, uh, they sacked him, and then he got a job in a gas station. So this this brilliant rocket scientist working in a gas station, and there was a connection with Howard Hughes as well. So he went to work with Howard Hughes for a while. But, who's, who's, um, who's Howard uh, Hughes, Bob? He's, he's, he was the um, billionaire who became a recluse, and famously he never cut his fingernails. And uh, he, At that time in, in Southern California, there's a lot of really weird, eccentric people around, most of them involved in the occult. So he worked for Howard Hughes for a while. Uh, but then he he wanted to, to give it all up and go to Mexico and develop his um, uh, you know develop Crowley's uh, Crowley. He actually thought he he would take on Crowley's work, so he, he wrote a book called The Antichrist. He called himself the Antichrist. And um, when uh, Betty and Ron Hubbard ran away with his um, boat and all his money, uh, he he asked Crowley for advice and. and, and they summoned up a, a demon called Bartzabel, uh, which was connected to Mars. And, um, of course, the, the boats, you know, sank, uh, and the FBI got hold of Hubbard, and, but the money had all gone. So at that time, Marjorie Cameron was, was doing her own thing. She was going off, and um, he, he, he decided just to go to Mexico. So he was working in the gas station. He got a job doing um, fake blow-ups, you know, for, for Hollywood films. And uh, you know explosions, things like that. And then suddenly, um, he was in his lab one day, uh, just about before he was about to go to Mexico, and there was an explosion in his lab. Apparently, he mishandled some mercury. Now, someone from that background, who you know, it's highly unlikely that they're going to uh, make a, make a fatal mistake like that. The explosion, half his face was blown off. Uh, FBI got him to hospital. Um, Marjorie Cameron wasn't allowed to to see him or identify the corpse. You know, he was pronounced dead, and um, and that was the end of it. So it was all rather tragic, really. And, um, and how how old was he, Bob? He was. Uh, this was in nineteen fifty two. He's born. He's only thirty seven. Wow. This is the thing. You know, thirty seven, thirty eight, and. Um, it, it, you know, it really is an incredible story. Uh, and, of course, Ron Hubbard went from, from strength to strength. He, he created Dianetics. Marjorie Cameron was convinced that he was murdered by the FBI uh, because the thing about um, Parsons, he had a lot of information. And at that time, the Cold War w with Russia was going on. And uh, he was also invited to go and um, work for Israel. 
um, for the um, you know develop their rocket um, program. And at that time, I think people were suspicious of Israel because it was linked to to possible communism. So the whole paranoia. Um, he was either murdered or or, or replaced. Or Marjorie Cameron um, insisted that he was he was assassinated, and she then tried to connect with him on the astral plane. She she would do blood ritual sacrifices in order to reconnect with him. She spent her life, um, you know, following his, his, she declared herself the whore of Babylon. So uh, these things always happened when Crowley got involved. You know, this is one of many, one of many of Crowley's lodges or, or, communes that he was running and it always ended badly because the, the reason that he would say or other people would say is that they opened a portal which they couldn't contain uh, and this portal at that time when uh, between the second uh, the two babylon workings that was the time when all these unidentified objects were, were found you know flying over washington also in scandinavia the roswell incident happened in you know in 1951 uh, the, the big one so people believe that the ufo people you know at that time, don't really know that, that that this was due to them reopening a portal that that Crowley had already opened in 1918. So when I told these UFO people about about the Greys, and they all think the Greys are in the White House because Eisenhower employed them, and there's also the whole theory about the CIA back engineer the Greys that, that that came in as Roswell, and now they're utilising them for uh, as artificial, you know, uh, humans, and and they're mixed with with you know humans to be hybrid. But this all happened in 1918, and um, the whole thing about um, the, the Thelemic belief system, um, Marjorie Cameron became very, um, a very interesting artist in the sense that she went to work for um, uh, appearing in films with, with Kenneth Anger. Uh, I don't know if people know about Kenneth Anger, but he, he, he believed, another one who believed he was the, the, the um, following on the work of, of Alistair Crowley. So Kenneth Anger was involved with Jimmy Page, with, with, with Mick Jagger. He made the film Lucifer Rising, which starred uh, Marion Faithful. So the link between, between Crowley, between what happened here in the commune here, um, which was development of the commune in, in, in Switzerland before the First World War, Crowley's involvement, which led to the whole counterculture movement, is really the one that I'm mainly interested in, and it's how the whole counterculture movement is is effectively based on 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 black magic and and, and Crowley's Thelemic principles to do with the Eon of Horus. So, I mean, it all sounds a very complicated story. Um, when Marjorie Cameron, who I'm still researching, she died, and she had a uh, did a Thelemic ceremony in 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 the Mojave Desert. Um, I never got over the fact that that that, that they killed Parsons, and um, so that's it really. Um, Hubbard uh, went from strength to strength and, and became, you know, a very rich, a very powerful man. Um, he also believed that that he was the great beast, and and he also believed that that, that he was doing Crowley's work. Wow. So. There's a famous uh, quote of L. Ron Hubbard's. I can't, I'm going to butcher it now, but it's something like, "You'll never, you'll never get rich writing sci-fi. The only way to get rich is to get really rich is start a religion." Well, that's exactly right. Um, and these religions, you know, all these cults, Southern California's, of, of course, you know, Charlie Manson was involved with, with with the CIA. You know, the whole thing about Laurel Canyon as well. I've been researching Laurel Canyon and. Uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, that, that, these are all cults, and a lot of these cults are based on on the laws of Thelema, which come from from Crowley's um, Crowley's research. So uh, the other thing is that all these um, lodgers had to pay 5% of all their memberships uh, back to Crowley, and it was paid to, to a guy called Carl Germer, who was his business manager. So Crowley was really weird in the sense that he clearly had was a, a black magic wizard, but he also had an eye for for making a living. And even when he was here in the 30s in Cornwall, um, he was trying, trying to sell his own semen, and it's called the Elixir of Life. And at that stage, he was like, uh, getting in, getting on a bit. He was in his fifties, sixties, but he, he was still pumping out his um. <laughs> oh, wrong word there. Uh, and selling it to, to, to people, you know, to, to grateful punters. Um, did he not die penniless, Crowley? Yes, he did. He died in a in a, um, <coughs> in a right, nurse, right, I mean, and what happened? What happens with the um with the secret services is that once once you've done your job, they kind of cut you off, really. So, That's yeah. what I was going to ask you because, like, you've been painting this picture of of Crowley being a, a, um, a supreme <laughs> a supreme string puller and uh, being massively influential. And it just makes you think, well, who's who's pulling his strings? You know, who's running his game, if you like? Well, there, there are. Uh, having done a lot of research on Crowley, I know he's above he's above most intelligence levels in terms of he's untouchable. Uh, he never really worked in his life. He, he just travelled around. He was in Berlin in the 30s. Hitler was terrified of him. Um, Mussolini kicked him out of, of, of Sicily. I know a lot of people, you know, quite apart from the rock and roll world, who, who are very influenced by Crowley, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, Page, a lot of them, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, the whole <laughs> counterculture thing. Um, but it seems as though when they lose their power, they lose their power. So he was clearly possessed. And there are strong suspicions that his organization called the AA, not Alcoholics Anonymous, but this is um, Argentum, um, it's it's called the Order of the Silver Star, um, which he set up at at the beginning of the century. Um, This is to do with Sirius, and um, which is the Silver Star in the constellation of Phoenix. And from what I can gather, um, the Silver Star and the OTA were the reincarnation or the rehashing of Adam Weishaupt's um, Society for the Brotherhood of the Illuminati, which was constructed in 1776, which was a Freemasonry. So clearly, when you talk about the Illuminati, um, Crowley was very high up in that, extremely high up in that. And, and, and a lot of the Illuminati, you know, were using the rituals and the Enochian magic that, that, that Crowley had decoded. Did I hear that? Just run that by me again. Are you, were you saying that Crowley might have been Adam Weishaupt reincarnated? No. When, when I said reincarnated, Crowley believed he was the reincarnation of a lot of people, including right. Edward Kelly, um, Genghis Khan, um, <laughs> Yezid. I mean, to, to separate the mythology from, from the actual facts is, is very difficult. But when I said the reincarnation, it's the... Reimagining. The was supposedly driven underground. Um, yeah. In seventy seventy six, the Bavarians, you know, kicked them out, uh, uh, and they had to go underground. And when you look at things like, um, you know, I've done work on, on on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, which which was um, you know Gothic novel, which represented the Illuminati spreading through Europe. Um, it went underground for for like 
probably a century, uh, and then using various people like the Rothschilds, you know, to develop the banking system uh, and Freemasonry, they managed to infiltrate the West. And, and America, effectively, is is a product of the Illuminati in, in the sense that it's based on, you know, the the um, the Statue of Liberty is was given by the by the French Freemasons. You know, it, it's a representation of Lucifer. And the Illuminati all connects into to Luciferian belief systems. So when the OTO was established in, um, again in Germany at the turn of the nineteenth century, um, by called Theodor Roos, uh, they decided that the twentieth century, you know, the Illuminati w- would run the program, and the fact that that Crowley was, you know, appointed head of the OTO in 1912 is, is phenomenal really he was also you know head of the uh, the silver star and it, it would seem that the silver star the philosophy these esoteric belief systems behind the silver star which connects to the, to, to the Sirius which, which goes back to Egypt um, was the basis of the Illuminati um, program it's, it's kind of remarkable there must have been something about the guy Crowley for him to have so much influence and to rise to the positions that he did whether that's some sort of possession or just incredible levels of charisma and what, I don't know, but there's something about him, isn't there? Well, totally. I mean, I I, I was, was very sceptical. You know, jokingly, I, I've got to do what, do what they will tattooed on my shoulders. You know, I did it as a joke, really, because, you know, when I was up on the, on the, the house here, uh, the, the haunted cottage up there where, where he did... Um, you know this ritual where he summoned up the you know the, the Draco reptilian horned horned creature. I thought it was all a bit of a joke. So you know I was messing around with this, and I was I, I wrote wrote this the Zeno book, you know, to to piss a lot of people off. You know, to, to, to people were saying, "Oh, Crowley was never here." Well, I, I tracked down all the Crowley's activities, and even to the extent where I go to the house now, where his mistress Pat Doherty, you know, had had his child Ataturk. I know people that knew Ataturk. So I've been tracking Crowley's life for a while. Uh, you know, and also through people like Jimmy Page, you know, you know, through through Jagger Bowie, you know, f- having grown up in the counterculture, uh, Ken Thanga, you know, the, the influence is phenomenal. Frieda von Richthofen, uh, Catherine Mansfield, Gurdjieff, you know, he was in all these worlds, Berlin in the 30s. And so clearly, you know, there's something going on there that is non non-human um, or, or non-linear. Uh, um, the pe- you know, people talk about him making himself invisible, um, travelling in time, being able to decode Enochian magic, climbing uh, K2 without oxygen, being a, a grandmaster at chess, um, inventing his own form of yoga. No normal man could, could do all these achievements in, in their lifetime. Also working for all the intelligence agencies, you know, uh, Ian Fleming asked him to um, debrief Rudolf Hess. When when Hess came over, he was running honey traps, just like, you know, Robert Maxwell was running honey traps. And, of course, you know, all this stuff about what's going on now with, with, with Epstein oh, yeah. and Gilang uh, Maxwell. But this is just this Crowley. Um, this is Crowley. Uh, this is out the Crowley textbook because of what he was doing in the 30s. And, you know, even now, you know, Gillane's solicitor is my solicitor. So all that stuff with Virginia Roberts, I've known about the Epstein stuff for years. I've seen the list of people on the island. In fact, I've got a neighbour here, a well-known actress who I won't mention. When I looked at the list a few years ago, because I swapped... Judy Dench? 
I swap information with other whistleblowers, and I was sent the list of Epstein's. And one of my, I won't say she's not a girlfriend, but she's she's a, a female friend of mine. Uh, of course, she was on the island um, with someone else who I used to hang around with, and, and it was the guy that she was on the island with was, was <laughs> married Ivana Trump, who who I knew at that time, who was Donald Trump's first wife. So you know how this all links up. It's absolutely incredible. And um, when you're in this world, you know, you realise they're all into into occultism. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's beautiful. We've just rocked up to an hour. Mm. We should, because um, how how has the, the book and the film gone? Because I got one of your limited edition what was it, a print run, 666, I believe, hardbacks. How's the, the book been going in the, in the movie? Well, the, the book um, the book sold out in, um, in, in about a month, which was great. Um, you know, I didn't know whether it would attract a lot of interest, but it, it was quite scandalous, really, because I said things that people didn't want me to say. So I fell foul of the Virginia Woolf Society, who said, oh, you've mentioned all about Virginia Woolf's drug taking and hallucinogenics. I said, yeah. I've taken it all from her letters. Uh, you, you've gone in on about Lawrence's sex obsession. Well, the cottage down the lane here, you know, Frieda von Richthofen suggested he called it the phallus. You know, he was doing sex rituals up on the moors with John Middleton. I haven't made any of this up. You know, it's all in his letters. You know, it's just that people don't, they don't go into these areas because the official narrative is that this whole Boonsbury set, you know, were a bit eccentric, but you know, what they were into was was phenomenal. So, the book sold out, and then um, I had a few legal challenges about stuff I'd said, and I ignored all those people, um, and I went to paperback. So I've now got a paperback edition, cool, uh, and that's selling. Uh, the, the film won a lot of awards, and I, I've taken it off now to you know from screenings because I was just constantly doing going to screenings, doing Q and A's. You know, supposed to go and pick up all these awards from the mayor of oh, what Bunny. a drag! Because oh, picking all these awards up, man. <laughs> Is in the NASDAQ. It was on all these weird film festivals. So I thought I've got to put an end to it. So I put an end to that project um, last year in order to start a new project. Oh, what's this? Um, planning on it. I'm working with a documentary filmmaker, the same one as we did before, and it's St. Ives in the 60s. So that's another film. And I'm going to have a lot of comedy in it. Um, but the book I'm going to do, I've decided, having done various talks and things like that, is that, people are really interested in my childhood. So I'm going to write my autobiography, and of course it's called Be Lucky. So I'm going to start on that this week, and that's going to be all the books I want to write. I'm running out of time now. I'm 70, you know, so like I can't write a book about my great-uncle who was in the freak shows, about the rebel not taken stuff where we tried to overthrow the monarchy in 1685, about my um, my cash is king where, you know, when when... I did two years at Saatchi, you know, all the people I've known, you know. Um, so I decided to put it all in one book, and I'm going to try and write that out this this year um, and have that to go alongside, you know, the film. Uh, and then if I do more um, in interviews and things like that, you know, I'll have a book, um, you know, to sell on the back of it, which Ready is always go. good. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, that sounds very exciting. And I want to learn more about your your Nephilim granddad at some yeah. day, at some point, at a later date. I mean, we, uh, we, we, we whiz through stuff. It's very difficult in an hour because, yeah, you know, so much these, time. 
there's, there's so much intense information that, that it's almost easier to write it down because, um, yeah. you know, I can remember some of it. But we literally have done a kind of whiz through it. And that whole story with, with Parsons and Hubbard, I mean, I've been reading this and I, I've got to stop myself from doing this research now because... I get obsessed with it. So I'm now I'm, I'm researching Marjorie Cameron. I'm researching her relationship with Kenneth Anger, which is absolutely fascinating. And like, it's all right, it, this week I've got to put a stop to that because otherwise it goes on forever. Yeah. And it leads into other spiders' webs. Come out, you've got to pull yourself out of the rabbit hole, Bob. Before <laughs> you get lost. Right, because I've got my fire going. I'm in my cottage now, which is Lady Chatley's cottage. I've got a whiskey on the go. And I come in here in the afternoon, you know, it's on the farm, and I think, oh, I just like the fire. And I'm starting doing this research. I'm making all these notes. I'm thinking, this is just unbelievable. You know, it's not as if it doesn't tie in with what's going on today. That's the thing. You know, I don't really talk about what's going on now. Um, but this is where it all comes from. Yeah, sound. Well, Bob, I think we should wrap it up there. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. And, Always uh, a pleasure. And any time. Anytime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's do it again. Let's do it again further down the line. Links are in the show notes as ever. Rebelnottaken.co.uk. You can follow Bob on Instagram at rebelnottaken. Pick up uh, the, uh, I was going to say the soft copy. Uh-huh. The paperback, <laughs> not the hard copy. Well, you've got the hard copy, haven't you? i got the hard copy, the collector's you got the edition. magic copy. I have, yeah. Um, yeah, this has been great. Thanks a lot, Bob. Stay on the line for us for uh, a minute while we play ourselves out and shut down the streams. And for those of you watching live, we'll be back in 10 minutes or so for part two. All right. Cheers, Bob. Bye. 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 Right, then we're back. The dwarf. Ronnie Pickering! And the mother of madness. That was our chat with Bob Osborne. What a legend. What a base Sigma Chad. Oh, no. I haven't haven't updated it from last time, have I? What have I I forgotten to do here? Have I forgotten to do something? Some kind of sex magic ritual has invaded uh, you. God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rub your eyes. Uh, Rub your eyes, Ben. Yeah. Someone well, left a portal open and there's evil everywhere. You know, I'd never forgot to ask Bob if like, that portal's still open or not. Probably it'd be fine. Is that where the lambs come from? That's where the Dalai uh, Lama's going, I think. Oh, right. Did you see that video of him doing that, that with that kid? Oh, that's old news. That isn't it? thing. Yeah, it's from last year. Yeah. What, Bob? From 2023. No, yeah. the Dalai Lama being oh, yeah. creepy with oh, a child. Yeah, Who'd have thunk? <coughs> oh, my gosh. So that was our chat with Bob Osborne. Links are in the show notes. Uh, check out the book. I did have it. I put it down. Zenor. Z E W N O R. Zenor. Spirit of Place is the book. There's not, I've had a lot. There's not many words in it, so you'll be fine. <laughs> it's got lots of pictures as well, hasn't yeah. it? Lots of pictures of like D.H. Lawrence and uh, the characters who were floating around his neck of the woods. There's was some he, tits in it. I did see that. Was D.H. Lawrence the one that... Is he? Is it Women it, in Love. Is it T.E. Lawrence, the Lawrence of Arabia? T.E. Lawrence. All right, so he's the one. T.E. Lawrence died in a suspicious motorbike accident, didn't he? Uh, Bruff Superior, SS100. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, we're back. Promise made. Promise delivered. Promise made. Promise, Promise delivered. delivered. Yeah, I love a good remix, me. Do you like a remix? I mean, it depends what you're going to play next. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, you know, my wife showed me that video not so long ago. Oh, why didn't you uh, send it to me? <laughs> kind of producer, are you? I know, yeah. Let other people do my work. Yeah. Delegate. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> delegate. Oh, look, it's all different colours now in the uh, the sauces. Oh, my god. Keeping gosh. it saucy. Wow. Look at that. Right, should we move on? Should we do some headlines? It's been a, what, a hot minute since we've done any headlines, isn't it? It has, yes. I don't even know what button is. See ya. Just two headlines this week. Headlines of the week. That's the first one. Cheese Company gives CERN Abbas Giant his manhood back. Yay! Yay! <laughs> when was his manhood uh, erased? Revoked. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's check it out, shall we? I've got a print off here. Do you know I checked my Epson printer? I've used a quarter of a tank ah, of ink. It's a dream. What was in this? a year. What's this special printer again? It's, a, it's an Epson printer where you I've, put I've ink got in the it. Same one. Oh right. Okay. Good. Rather than getting, I tell you, a cartridge game. It's you know, Clash Schwab is all over that shit. Big cartridge. cartridges. Big cartridge. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a an independent Big ink cartridge ink. shop ink. near where I live called the Cartridge Guys. Yeah. Are they, are they they're all in on it. They're up. They're part of the the forty cities sign up. Gender right? 2030, yeah, they're well Shills. into it. If they're dealing in cartridges, okay, gosh, it's like crack. <laughs> okay, there's probably a subscription model, yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine so. Well, it is if you buy a HP uh, like cartridge printer, there's this thing where you you sign up and they'll send you ink every week because that's when you'll need how often you need it. <laughs> <laughs> send you a thimble of ink. Here's your thimble of ink cartridge. Here's the CERN Abbott with his Todger back in place. Hey. From so the cheese company. So it got... Oh, right, okay. I was a bit confused when I heard this story because I thought someone had gone to the the hillside. Oh, and defaced a national monument. Yeah. No, it's not as, as terrifying as that. No, a cheese company which was accused of castrating the CERN Abbott giant uh, has reinstated the famous Dorset's figure's Dorset figures manhood on the packaging of their product, as you can see here. That's the new packaging. Uh, in June, the Oxford Cheese Company was criticised for featuring the CERN giant on its CERN Abbas Man vintage cheddar, minus the figure's oversized phallus. Oversized? I was going to say. Yeah, it's quite standard, <laughs> um, isn't it? So call me a cynic, uh, but... I'd love to see what their sales were like over the last six months. Yes. Through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, there's, an, there's a name uh, for this called Go Woke, Go Marketing. Yeah. Go oh, Woke, yeah. make a shitload of money on cheese and then reinstate it. Exactly, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, just from the national exposure. Mm. Absolutely. Depends exposure what, well, of the penis. Well, it didn't work for Bud Light, did it? Can I have they some penis cheese, of, please? But yeah, like, like had a lot of more uh, than they like beer, though I think. Yeah, I mean they had a lot of public attention over the last six months, and their sales tanked. So I don't know; it could be, could I've be. I've not no, drank Bud Light think, since 2010. I think what Ben like is this. saying is that they removed it in, to get publicity. Yes. Yeah, and then they put it back on, throbbing, yes, and yeah. in order to sell, Vainly. sell, or to sell now. Yes. So they took a hit. Yes. 
No, although I think they would have not actually taken a hit. I think the removal was part of the marketing ploy also. Yeah, maybe. Because of the media froth. Ferrari. Penis. Penis froth. I mean, who had heard of the Oxford Cheese Company before this? It's all I hear about (laughs) now. However... Customers who have recently purchased the Dorset-inspired product have seen the Giant's manhood now featured on packaging for the cheese. Oxfordshire resident Ivan Kirby purchased the cheese from a shop in Yonton near the city. After being amused by the change in packaging, he said the change was a victory for common sense. He added, I think it's splendid that they've seen sense and truly made their vintage cheddar full strength. You should make some truckles that are just penis. Truckles? Yeah, tr- you know, truckles. Truckle of cheese. Everyone knows what a truckle is. They're just at Christmas. Is it's it a, a little round, a, a small wheel. A little pork pie size yeah. wheel. Yeah, you get a little tasting truckles. <laughs> you might get a, a gift set from Aldi. I've never heard of a truckle before. Have you not? Have, have oh, you've led a sheltered life, though. I've eaten a range of cheeses over Christmas, but I didn't realise the small wheel... Is a truckle. A truckle, yes. A truckle of cheese. Just It's like a baby bell. A baby bell is a, a mini truckle. Yep. Right, okay. <laughs> truckle. Uh, there's nothing mini about the CERN uh, Abbott Giant. Uh, 180 feet. Uh, the CERN Giant is Britain's largest and possibly best known Chalk Hill figure. Various theories around the club-wielding giant and his mysteriously large appendage. Uh, many believe the carving is an ancient fertility symbol. Can't imagine why. Uh, whilst others say it depicts the Greco-Roman hero Hercules, which, you know... The club. The club oh, of yeah. the head, man. And the arm pointing. Yeah, yeah. If he was stooped slightly mm. forward, mm. it would be a, a dead ringer for Hercules. He'd be able to suck himself up. <laughs> <laughs> Get some of those ribs removed. Yeah. Yeah, Vic Irving, head, <coughs> head brewer at Stone Abbas Brewery, previously accused of cheesemakers of emasculating the giant... I think the cheese manufacturers are terrible rotters for taking our giant and taking his penis off him, he said earlier this year. Mr. Irving said he was pleased to see the giant's files become part of the packaging, but hit out at the company for using the Dorset giant's image without making cheese in the village where it sits. Boom. Oh. Anyway. Scandal. Yeah. I'm glad to see his, his phallus has returned. Mm. And that's a positive story. We need more good news stories. Gone wig the wind. Ugh. More than one in ten wig wearers have seen their toupees blow off in the wind. Wow, that's news. <laughs> it's the headline of the week, then. <laughs> <laughs> More than ten, one in ten wig wearers have seen their cherished toupees take off. A hair-raising poll claims 4% of Britain's 7 million baldies have covered up with a syrup, which uh, that totals around 280,000. Uh, and 11% of those, more than 30,000, admitted it had blown off their bonts in windy weather. Uh, right. Now, I'm not a bald man. However, if I was, I know that my head is is an odd shape. It's a bit like peanut, I think. So, But I still don't think I'd lower myself to wig wearing. Maybe I'm just lazy. You I just shave it off? stone the peanut, yeah. Yeah, just an, an, a zero. Ah, oh, yeah, it'd be gone straight away. Day one. 
Yeah, I mean, fortunately, us three are pretty hair suit, aren't we? So I don't think we have any immediate... Oh, hang on. Yeah, we, we've no immediate worries in that department, I don't think. But it is probably a decision Soon. we're all going to have to make at some point. I think so, yeah. It's really? coming. It's coming, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, one... To pay, day. then. Yeah, I was thinking about that. To pay or not to pay? <laughs> that is the question. Well, it's a no from me. Well, one balding man, Richard Gorman, 42, from Maidstone in Kent, bought himself a £600 wig for his 30th, for his 30th birthday. It's pretty depressing, isn't it, when you go bold in your 20s, I would it's imagine. Done it. I mean, it's like a, isn't it a thing that Badger wanted. Like Jason Statham or Bruce yeah, Willis. Or, yeah. Uh, John Travolta, more recently. Yeah. He's doing it. He's gone wigless, has he? He has, yeah. Uh, Richard Gorman, Maidstone in Kent, he said, uh, Oh, uh, I just moved out and switched up. So uh, not many people knew me. So I thought I'd take the opportunity to create a new me. Does it say when he had his stroke? <laughs> <laughs> but recalled, It wasn't great in uh, blastery weather. Or I went to Margate for a walk with some friends and the wind just whipped my wig clean off. It's Tom Hardy, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, it's one of his accents, isn't it? I ended up chasing it down the beach, but it got blown out to sea and I never saw it again. He lost it to sea. She's <laughs> <laughs> mm. probably on some dolphin. 600 quid. A lot of money, in it? Yeah. Uh, is that a lot of money for a wig? Yeah. Do you think? I would have thought over a grand would be an expensive win. Fancy dress shop, 20 quid. Even that's expensive. Yeah. One of your wigs. A Merkin. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he opted not to buy another and can go out in gusty conditions with greater confidence, unlike famous rug wearers, including John Travolta. He said that he now had his hair like former Strictly champ Bill Bailey, long at the back and bald on top. Uh, Dense Hair Experts. This is the name of the company, Dense Hair Experts. (laughs) Nice. Pulled 2,000 bald or balding men uh, and said that four in ten have tried various methods of covering up their thinning locks. I mean, the famous uh, method is the comb over, no? Or the hat. A hat, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The comb over. The comb over, yeah. Come on over. Come over here! Comb over here. You don't see many comb overs these days, do you? No, you do. Mm. You do. I see a lot um, when I'm walking around, like expert ones, like pro level. But they they don't look, it's not like a Jack Charlton kind of comb over or a Bobby Charlton comb over. They are like a lot of work and structure goes into them, the ones I see. (coughs) They kind of come back from like here, swoop up around. And it kind of looks like that's hair growing out of the top of the head, but it's not. You have to look a little deeper. That seems like a lot of effort for vanity. Yeah. Oh, it's like confidence and stuff, isn't it? And uh, yep. aging. Um, some people, I, th- I think some men would find it emasculating losing their hair. Really? Definitely. Do you not yeah. agree, Matt? You're, you're into this shit. <laughs> um, yeah. I would have thought so. But fortunately for me, what I would do is I'd just grow out my back hair. 
<laughs> comb it over. And it just go all the way up my neck, the back of my head, and up to the front. Like Family wearing a hoodie. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <coughs> Braid my shoulder hair. Is your back hair going grey, Matt? I don't know, but... Um, I once said to my wife, of my ball hair's always been blonde. And she oh, went, my God! <laughs> she said that and said, no, they're grey now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a, I think I've got a, a grey patch underneath. Shit's getting real. I've got a smooth patch underneath that I've always had that's quite weird. You, is that your perineum? <laughs> no, it's, it's further forward than that. It's on the ball sack. Is it, is it just where they chafe all the time? <laughs> no, it's just a... Part of my freaky genitalia. A natural feature. <laughs> yeah. It's just a feature. It's a talking point. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. On the back. On the on the on the base. <laughs> on the base of your balls. Of the ball sack, yeah. It's like a is it like in a particular shape? Uh I don't I'll have to get a mirror out. Is it lamb? Is it lamb shaped? <laughs> it's a lamb in demon. Yeah. What yeah, the farage? Like a teratoma. Right, okay. Very good. Yeah, there you go. Good. Now I will never forget that. Also, yeah, I've been having news. I've been having some crazy dreams in this last <laughs> week and that is gonna be added into it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to, uh, you're gonna be seeing Ben's balls and lamb's head just appear. Yeah. I think it's so smooth. I think it's coming off the um Alcohol, you know. Like drink. <laughs> what are you going to say then? Like, catch some or something. <laughs> Drinking every day for a week. Gosh, and then really? coming off it, I think. I've only drunk twice over the period. I had a bottle of wine on Christmas Day. I, I don't drink that much anyway, as you know. Oh, I don't. Uh, I'm a social drinker. Yeah, I drank by myself. <laughs> Socializing. <laughs> It was like Baileys, you know, like a, a few glasses of, well, maybe one or two Baileys, um, some other nights, some beers. Oh, Irish coffee I got into. Do you ever, do you ever drink Baileys from a shoe? No. <laughs> no. Callback. That's a little man, Peach. Yeah. Um, things like that, you know. Okay. Should we move yes. on? You, you spent on your Christmas booze escapades? Yeah. Because I've got some big news from the world of Cameo. Oh, you know what Cameo is? This oh, website Cameo. where you... Uh... Is it Farage? Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of a chungus one. Wishing a sussy back a birthday to Reese, the beast Mora, all the Brexit football boys. Hope you have a chungus crewmate day. P.S. Don't think, just because it's your birthday, we can't see you venting to electrical. <laughs> He's back. Good. He's put some more free ones on. <laughs> I think people just just rip them and put them on YouTube or oh, you know, right, TikTok okay. or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Keep us in the loop if you spot any more Farages any in the wild. Any Farage cameos. Fresh ones. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's great stuff. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, let's see what's coming up next. First on BBC One. <laughs> Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Oh, <laughs> that was Madonna. I know, yeah. <laughs> right, this is a value for value podcast. You find this podcast valuable. 
please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. My favourite way as ever is word of mouth. Sharing links wherever you are, online, or even in the face. Gouge people's eyes out with... Gouge's eyes! USB sticks of this podcast. That would be a huge help. Or otherwise, share links on <coughs> uh, Facebook groups, Telegram channels, Discord, wherever you are. Mm. All helps. does, doesn't it? Helps with the algorithms. It does, doesn't it? I mean, you could subscribe to the newsletter, couldn't you, as well? Oh. Sorry, yeah. One of those has just gone out. Yeah, it comes out the first of every month of Rum Springer. You need to email us, though, because the, the uh, sign-up link's broken on our on our retarded website. So mm. email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com. Dot com? Dot com. And put newsletter in the subject line, and I will uh, take that as permission. <laughs> to spam you. <laughs> <laughs> to spam you once a month. Yeah, exactly. With a newsletter. It's good, though. What do you get in the newsletter? 10% discount on the Amish loot chest. Good place to start, isn't it? Um, you get a, a, a sneak uh, perv at the, the the month ahead preview. <laughs> um, Who's get which guests are coming on this month? Yeah, yeah, you get that. You get normally get an article uh, by Phil. There's Ben's column, some jokes and some memes on there. Anything else? I think that's about it, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, good. A, that's enough. Isn't it? <coughs> it's enough. It's enough to be getting on with, isn't it? Yeah, it's enough. Uh, how else can you uh, become a producer of this podcast other than sign up for the newsletter and hitting people in the mouth? Uh, show artwork. Yeah. yeah. You could, you could submit some show artwork. Well, a proper dry spell. Uh, Helen's sent a few recently, aren't she? Yes. Uh, but yeah, if you, um, if you join the Element server or sign up to the newsletter, you know who's coming on in advance. So you can create some artwork for that episode. Send it to us, and we'll use it. And you'll get a credit, a producer credit in the show notes. This is uh, my artwork I knocked up for this week. Look. There you go. There's Bob, and there's uh, Alistair Crowley and Elron. Simples. He looks different, doesn't he, there? Who? <laughs> uh, Elron. Everyone. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. Yeah, that's Elron in later life, isn't it? And Crowley with his, in his Osiris gear. Mmm. Weirdo. Yeah, send us artwork. What about reviews? Uh, you could always send us a review, and then if you tell us about it, we'll read it out. Yeah, I've got a couple here. <gasps> two uh, two new incoming reviews. This is review number one. I'm sorry. Haven't listened to the podcast. I'm just super contrary, and I can't let anything be okay for five seconds. Four stars. Wow, who's that from? That's not bad. <laughs> yeah, what's the name there? Um, Pound underscore six <laughs> arrows. Open bracket, close bracket, bracket, up arrow. Uh, yeah, a lot of nonsense in it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but four stars. I'll take four stars. Four is fine, isn't it? That's, you know. That's par. That's, that's, a, that's a very good podcast. <coughs> Few number two. No thanks. One star. If you don't have something kind to say, then keep quiet. <laughs> what did we do? Okay. What have you said? Phil? What did we do? I don't know. We weren't specific enough, were they? One of the many, many unkind things <coughs> said as part of this podcast. We obviously did enough to motivate someone to leave a one-star review, so that's good. It's pretty decent, yeah. I would say so. What a prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you could join the Elements server. Have we said that? That's a good yeah. one, isn't it? Um, I can't remember how you do it, but it's very easy. In the Link sh- in the, the show, show notes, notes for everything. There you go. It's so easy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Have to go to the show notes. And then you've got to join every room individually. And if you have any problems, just get in contact. Email us at theamishinquisition at gmail.com. That Chris Williamson son is well into Element, isn't he? I need to tell you about Element. I've used Element every single morning for over three years now. It is the way I start every single day. It tastes fantastic. I'm not sure, I'm not sure why he's tasting it, but... He likes it. It's busy Social in there. I, I have 802 unread notifications. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell shit's going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, buy some merch. Oh, the loot chest. Have we not mentioned the loot chest? We mentioned here, it. Huh? You put it up briefly and then you took it down. Yeah. you get um, If you sign up to a newsletter, you get a 10% discount. But there's uh, the latest design. You are the carbon they want to reduce. Hmm. Uh, various wares, bacon nuts, if you're a Francis Bacon nut fan. Are they smooth on the bottom? No. It's just a small patch in the shape of lamb. Uh, yeah. Lamb's head, maybe. Standard. There you go, specialist. Standard balls there. Who shaves the pig's balls? <laughs> Who does? Indeed. Get it on a mug. Three Weeks to Flatten the Earth. That's my favourite. Uh, Lee from the Big Conspire like podcast. Mm-hmm donated this design hey it's something else you could do if you've got a good idea for a t-shirt yeah um make one and send it us and we'll put it on the store and uh literally communist and all the various other stuff there's loads of stuff there's loads called look at the show notes you get something to keep and we get a slice a tiny slice a slice <laughs> of the pie about 50 pence yeah. <laughs> the 30 quid absolute joke um send us news articles videos audio links timestamped as required you can also request birthday shout outs um, make guest suggestions oh we got a good uh, guest suggestion today actually on insta on insta yeah from emma D- dm on insta and i'm gonna follow it up someone in uh, Bridling- <coughs> Brid- bridlington is so it- northern a northern comrade North wales is it Bridlington? No- northeast i think isn't it bridlington somewhere. anyway so yeah we'll follow that up and uh, hopefully get somewhere so, yeah, guest suggestions are good. Yep. Uh, focus chi request as well. So, is your chi depleted, Ben? Yeah, severely. Ben's chi's depleted. So, what he should have done is gone into the element <laughs> server and requested a, a focus chi request. Yeah, take a look at where you could have went. Yeah, exactly. So, that's why he's still he's been ill for three weeks because he hasn't requested any focus chi. Because it's 100% effective so far, yeah. I think. Yes. Um, so, if you've got an exam coming up, you know. If you're feeling particularly depleted in any kind of way, um, I'll fire some chi into your prostate. If you're a man. We can't say fairer than that. No. I think I might take a little behind-the-scenes photo to post in the element survey. Mm-hmm. All right, good. I'm going to take a photo of... Oh, oh, my, just yeah. of, like, the general... Not the notes. Take it's a photo of the pa- notes. It's got the passwords. Yeah, it's, fine. it's like this where the magic happens. <laughs> The password. Right, I'll take that. I'll post that on the element <sighs> seven right now. Um, but the best way, Ben, uh, send us some coin. Toss a coin Absolutely. to your for the lads. 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 Yeah. If you go to uh, thearmsinquisition.com or look in the show notes, you'll find a donate button there. If you want to send us a, a direct donation on on PayPal, or we've got buyers a coffee and other things. Oh, we got a new a new. By a coffee buyer since the last show who will be recognised in the producer credits very shortly. Yeah. But yeah, only fuckers out there can save, save Flopland and uh, help us pay the costs and uh, keep keep going. It's the value for value proposition. 
if you get some value out of this and you're able to return some value, either monetarily or with your time by making artwork or posting links or, uh, you know, your treasure, your coins, mm. your doubloons, throw them at us. It'll be greatly appreciated. Scattergunners. Right. Yeah. I've posted that in general chat for, for the pleasure of Oh, that of the was listeners. the wrong thread. Delete it. <laughs> <laughs> the solipsistic porn masturbator. <sighs> Sums him up. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Right. I think it's about time we uh, thank the producers then, isn't it? If we must. I don't know where it is. Just talk, what, did you, what have you done over Christmas, Ben, whilst he finds this? I've just been ill. I've got, got a squash racket. I did, yeah? Yeah. Have we got, does that mean we have to go and play squash then? Yeah, next door is is good. Whoosh. Hey, I saw someone playing paddleball as well. Did you say that? Padel. Padel, yeah. Who is, who is making Is that you, Ben? Is it this? It is you, isn't it, on the on the legs? <laughs> you're, you're rubbing, you're I'm just <laughs> rubbing my smooth patch. How much did what kind of squash racket did you get? Uh, what that cheap Slazenger one? Eleven pounds, twelve fifty, I think. <laughs> I might go down to Sports Direct and see if I can get some. How much would, did you get? Any balls? Yeah, balls are expensive. I think they're like ten for three. Yeah, did you get any? Yeah, I got three. Yeah, right, well, that's fine. Then I just need to get a racket. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we need to get a membership for better. Whatever it's called. Just get very short shorts. Can, uh, you don't need a membership. You can. It's seven pound fifty or something. Forty minutes. Forty. I'm not playing for forty minutes. <laughs> can I can, please? Can I come and video this? No. <laughs> well, we need to learn. We have to watch some YouTube videos about how to play squash and what the rules are because I can't remember something about getting it over the line, isn't it? You have to. Yeah. Don't hit the tin. And don't hit the tin. Yeah. There's a there's big a big there's a tin. The bottom, yeah. There's a tin. Yeah. The bottom like six inches <laughs> of the. Play wall is tin. There's a play if you wall. Hit that, your ball goes dead. And you've got to stand in. You've got to stand in the squares as well. I think you st- when you start, you stand in the squares, but they seem to be jumping all over each other. Yeah, and then you move around, kind of. Yeah, you? yeah. And then we can go and play padel with. Padel looked quite good. It was like tennis, but with in a squash court. Yeah, and it's, and it's always doubles, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I didn't see any singles. Yeah, it's always doubles. Yeah, there's always at least two people. Playing. Always doubles. Four people. Yeah. yeah. That's quite good, yeah. We'll have to... Uh, Do you know what else I got? What? I got a MetaQuest 3. What's a MetaQuest 3? It's a big fucking VR headset thing. Oh, like, mate? Oh, my God, you're going into <sighs> the Metaverse. Yeah, the Metaverse. It's, it's weird. <laughs> How much? How many sex bots have you visited? There's a uh, there's like a game that came with it. Oh, it's called Asgard's Wrath or something. And you're like a Viking, but you look down, and your hands are like all fucking tattooed and shit. It's pretty good. Okay, is that, is that the highlight? Looking at your hands. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not ready for living in. No, waste of money. Don't buy one. Don't buy one. No, I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think it's uh, it's ready yet. It blew my mind the first first hour, and then that's it. You're bored of it. No, it's a bit like. Yeah. Have you tried an Oculus? That is it. It's an Oculus. They bought it, didn't they? Oh, face Meta, Meta bought, bought, it, yeah. bought Oculus, yeah. right? So you they can't get binoculars. <laughs> binoculars Rift. <laughs> the cough was coming. <laughs> I've not plugged it into the uh, computer yet. Apparently, that's quite good. You get better graphics and whatnot. Well, that's what you used to do with an Oculus. Play Half Life Alex. 
it's supposed to be going. What do you do now? Just hook it up to your phone somehow? No, there's no. It's just all uh, in, the, in the metaverse. Yeah, somewhere. There's no wires. It's just not gonna. It's like it's like Google Glass. It's just shite. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I don't know if it's shy. It's it's very niche. I think. I don't. I can't see it being. Isn't it? It is definitely niche. Yeah. I mean, I've of... been in the metaverse and it's fucking shy. <laughs> oh, we've had. Can we it... get this in the metaverse? The podcast. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think it would be allowed. Oh, of course. there is a lot of shy already in there. Is there? Yeah. I, like what? That you can go. Uh, actually, one thing. Tell us about me. the sex bots, Ben. I've not seen any sex bots. Um, <laughs> did did it? Uh, the you can go like courtside for NBA matches, right? Which, quite, which was quite good, but it was oh. just like jerky as fuck. I think there's some live concerts and shit, but it's all from artists. No one cares about who's heard of Madonna. <laughs> yeah. The, the live sport thing might be quite an interesting thing to. It is interesting. Uh, I mean, what is good is like um, 8K 360 degree YouTube. So you can go like wingsuit kind of fucking thing. It's and you can go, oh, where did I go? I went to. Um, you just need to get a big fan for that. Gebekli Tepe and places like that. Anchor ah. Wat, I, I'd look. What? Right. Excuse me. Uh, 360 <laughs> Yeah. There's some big old trees. There, big roots growing in amongst the. Uh, I think so doing stuff like that would be quite nice, I suppose. Is that, it like it a learning cool. tool? You can maybe? go like, through space and shit, or through the oceans, and some of that's quite quite mm. good. I think digital tourism is <coughs> going to be the future. Maybe because you're only going to be allowed one short haul flight every three three years, so you're going to have to do it on online if you want to go yeah. to the Pan- the Parthenon. So you're going to have to you're going to have to lie in a sunbed. <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna get like sun marks of your <laughs> Oculus Rift. Uh, you, you have, what is it called? Meta Meta Quest. Isn't Quest. It? Meta Quest. <laughs> With your Meta Quest. So do you have like things that you hold in your hands then? As well? Yeah. Well, although it does do hand tracking as well. So you, some games you don't need. You hold uh, like two cans. Like Beat Saber or something. Two two tin cans, and then you get audited by a Scientologist. Oh yes. Oh, you've played it. <laughs> Scientology, the game. <laughs> Going clear would be the title. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was watching that video of Tom Cruise giving his speech when he got the, you know, the Freedom Medal of Valor. It's like a dinner plate, <laughs> that medal he got. No, very great. Is that like from 20 years ago now or 15? 2004, years? I think. Yeah, cool. 20 yeah. years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. be, yeah. It's around first Mission Impossible around that time. Oh, no, that was 96. Oh, right. The first so. one. No, two thousand four. I got got my first my first suggestion. Yeah, he doesn't. You don't see. He doesn't do anything in uh, plain sight anymore that I've seen to do with Scientology. Have you? Since that speech went worldwide, and so he's jumping on sofa and things. Well, it's around that time, wasn't it? Where uh, that was Oprah. Yeah, the way it was all getting a bit weird with him and uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah, and then he, yeah, so he got separate. Yeah. So he's, he's had a rebrand, hasn't he? And he's like this, I do all of my stunts and he's a really nice guy, basically. That's the brand around him now, isn't it? Rather yeah. than crazy Scientologist guy. I'm literally a communist. Because I'm literally a communist. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Rebrand time. Right, shall we thank the producers for episode uh, 311? What did you get for Christmas, Phil? <laughs> We've been I was this joking. on the last episode. I was joking. 
<laughs> I got some Transformers pajamas. A regular old plumbus. Yeah. I got some ball. Get down, Tom Cruise. I got some ball fond a ball fondler's mug. Nice. Mm. It had a smooth spot underneath. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, dear. I think it's a sign of uh, greater evolution. The uh, testicular bald spot. Isn't that just because your your scrotum is so elongated? It just I am the rubs youngest. On, on your thigh. <laughs> that doesn't yours. Doesn't everyone's? No, mine are normally just very scrunched up, like a walnut. Tight, yeah. mm. tight. Oof. Yeah, because of the tension I hold. Well, you it's, you sucker them. You're you're channeling the serpent energy. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, you're like uh, Sting and Trudy Styler. I, yeah, I believe so. It's, you know, it's his name, Gordon Lightfoot. Is that Gordon Light Sting? Oh, I don't know. Gordon something. His real name. Flash Gordon. Probably. Yeah, Gordon Smith. Right, well, let's thank them now. Come on. It's time to big up the man Dems. <laughs> Yo. Uh, producers for episode 311, we have Emma Bridges, Rona Kesson, Ben Limmer, Martin Horwood, who's the new coffee buyer. Thank you, Martin. Hi, Martin. Helen, Matthew Chin, and Alia. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So amazing. And their love as Chungus never seems so sus. Literally. The best mate. So sus, so sus. The dwarfs, the currants, the great, the stinking pen. The doctor of thugonomics. The homophobe, the wind. The giant fucking lenses. The solipsistic porn masturbator. The chest feeding. Communist. The, the ninja turtle, yo. Face Sigma Chad. The Pump Up Chance. The baby penis inner asshole. These clockwork clowns. The Dime Bar. The number 11. The B-Gun on the bus. The Blind Man. The Massive Girl. Big Chungus. The Cripple and the Mother. Money Pickering. From Hell. It's shit day. We don't get it, never will. Are you retarded? Well, the thing is, what do you do? You call between the devil and the rock at a half place. Asna! This is such a crock of species. Thanks for your support for another week. Thank you. Brings the world to us. Um, these producer credits are real. You can put them in your LinkedIn, your curriculum vitae, your IMDb, and we will back you up. Mm. Producer of a podcast, The Armstrong Edition. That's it. That's worth <laughs> Pens? <laughs> right, end of show ISOs. I think I've got two, I think, this week. Let's see. Uh, this is the first one, I think. Uh, chungus. I smell the blood of a Chungus one. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Right, nice, don't we? It's quite deep, that, wasn't it, to begin with? <laughs> I smell oh. the blood of a Chungus one. Oh, God. That'll wake you up at the end. Next. Uh, oh, this is going to be this one, I think. Hope you have a Chungus crewmate day. Mm. It's a good ending. It's a good uh, ending message. That's nice, yeah. isn't it? Hope. To send out to people. Hope you have a Chungus crewmate day. What more could you want? Oh, yeah, the second one. Do we have consensus? I think you can't so. lose with Farage. No. <laughs> Go for the second one. Second one, then. 
It's a fucking freak show. I love a good prank, me. You like pranks, online pranks, pranks. on these TikToks, Depends. these reels. Depends what it is. All right, check out this one hanging out. around with millennials. Pranking is an old... Do you remember Jeremy Beadle? <laughs> practical jokes. <laughs> on the other hand, he's massive. He's withered hand. I just remember there was one where a... J- UFOs! Well, there's that, and the JCB knocked someone's XR4i into, like, some docks. XR3i. Yeah, whatever. Same thing. And uh, I just thought, oh, that's so mean. That's so mean, Jeremy. He was devastated. What a cunts. Mm. Uh, This is a good one. Sneezing prank. Serious? What? You fucking cock fucker! What the fuck are you think you're doing? Sneezing. Fucking filthy, dirty, fucking cock fucker. Oh, that went deep. That's <laughs> it. Dirty fucking bald fucker. If he was wearing a toupee, you wouldn't have that from No, he wouldn't have felt it. No, he would have just come off. Yeah. When he sneezed. We've found the chink in the armor, haven't we? We, we have. You know, shaving your head. <laughs> You're leaving yourself open for a sneeze prank. For a I sneeze prank, yeah. I've just waited for someone to sneeze on my balls. <laughs> That's like some kind of fetish, isn't it? <laughs> I've been waiting now for... <laughs> 40 years. 41 years. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. All right, let's move on. Let's do some news. I got we got sent to oh, fucking hell. I mean, we must have been sent 50, 50 stories, videos, links this week. So I've just had to <coughs> pick some of my favorites. And uh, this is Gizdarma, mm. uh, the Starmageddon, the forthcoming Starmageddon next year when Labour come in. And he was quizzed about his, his old his old mate Mandy, Peter Mandelson. Prince of Darkness. The FT did a report this summer uh, on a J.P. Morgan report which suggested that Peter Manderson had stayed at the uh, New York townhouse of Jeffrey Epstein in 2009 when he was de facto Deputy Prime Minister and while the financier was imprisoned for soliciting prostitution from a minor. Do you think that Lord Mandelson, who is of course a close political ally of yours, has some questions to answer? Uh, Jim, let me just first... On Peter Mandelson, look... In... They cut the waffle. They cut a bit of waffle out. So obviously you avoid the question you, you, you first. You don't start answer it, do you? Yeah, and then he's, he's been forced back onto it. And I do try to oh, give oh, pretty full oh. answers. Bit of a swallow, a bit of a swallowing moment there. A bit of a tell. Institution from a minor. Do you think that Lord Mandelson, who is of course a close political ally of yours, has some questions to answer? Uh, Jim, let me just first... On Peter Mandelson, look, in, and I do try to give pretty full answers in these sessions, I don't know any more than you do, um, and therefore um, there's not really much I can add to um, what you already know, I'm afraid, and, um, you know, that's... Probably for legal reasons. <laughs> I cannot say any more. No. I know as much as you... Um, simply the state of the uh, affairs. Thank you, Jim. Wait, what affairs? Oh, there he is. Oh, there, there's Mandy and Etstein and his, yeah. Oh, his yacht or something. Yeah, there's loads of it. <laughs> Birthday party, that looks like. Hey. Okay. I don't know who this guy in the middle is. It looks like the guy from the office. Tim. Jim. Tim, Jim. It's a big cake for two people, isn't it? There's probably a baby in it. 
Oh, God. <laughs> and a politics of respect and service that shows zero tolerance towards the darker side of Westminster. Uh, They'd know all about the darker side of Westminster. So he's... he's, uh, Right, so they started... like, memeing Star... Well, no, they haven't started. They've been doing it for ages, but... Who do do they want in power? Just no one. What's the end goal? Because it's always Tories out, which I can kind of understand. But then, who who do they want in these people? Who's who, they? Well, I don't know whoever's making these videos and stuff. Also making a, a video about Starmer and, and Mandy. Yeah, but would they, I mean... I think most people who watch this podcast are totally apolitical. Right, yeah. They, they realise that it's a, a, just a shell game. doesn't matter who gets in. doesn't matter who you vote for, the government gets in. Yeah. Especially if you vote Lib Dem. The thing is, the way <laughs> politics works is... It's division. It's divisional. Red team or blue team. Working class, upper class. You know, it's, it's divide and conquer. It's the easiest way to govern you. Separate you into teams and keep you arguing with each other. Because I think most people who watch this are like, it's all a charade. Maybe it's them who make these kind of videos. Maybe. Because, <gasps> yeah. I mean, the same, I, I'm, I would imagine... Person who made that video won't think twice about making a similar video about Bojo the Clown yeah, or exactly. Theresa yeah, May yeah. Or, or anyone else. I was wondering if that that's it, and that's like there is a an industry that just generates this sort of stuff for whoever's in power. Well, it's, I imagine they get quite a lot of views. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's money at the end of the day. And then they become can, the ones in power, and then they can sell you know banana cleaners. And the TikTok, <laughs> and yeah. the TikTok shops and, and metaverses or whatever. Meta quests. Once they get enough clout. Yeah. Yeah. And you just you put, monetize a link, it. You put a link to your shop at the top. But I mean, there's loads of channels I use for sources like uh, John Talks right. is one in America. And they're all anti-Democrat videos, mm-hmm. pro-Trump videos. That's his bias. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find other sources which are the other way around. Yeah. So uh, most yeah, people have their bias. It's just you've got to... You know, I don't get involved in the politics because I just think it's all bullshit. That's my, what's, the, what's the alternative? That's my bias. Oh, anarchy. Let's get rid of them all. Right, don't need okay. a government. What do you need them for? I mean, healthcare. Healthcare? What, what, what do you need a government... Why do you need a government to establish healthcare? Well, he's, he's going to run it. Anything. Who's going to run what? The the decisions. Who's going to make the decisions? What decisions? You, you just need a doctor, don't you? It's like, if you get a... You know a doctor? Can I pay you to sort me out if I get ill? Yep. Like a witch doctor? You could be, yeah, a shaman. Or Do an allopathic doctor, cool whatever kind of doctor you want. I mean, it'd be your choice at the end of the day. It'd be voluntary, it'd be your choice. Anyway, we've got, before we get down that rabbit hole, uh, sausage fingers. There's been some um, behind-the-scenes footage come out from the coronation. About him make, laughing about his own name. This if you put the stall over the king's head... <laughs> Yeah. And, we will, and then the bishops will make sure, we'll make sure it gets hooked up. Properly. We bring in the robe. 
So the robe goes on, and then, Your Royal Highness, you come and fix the clasp. She goes over Just into a little slot. Done it. That's it. Yeah, okay. Let's try that again. It's quite a small catch. On the day, it's not going to go into it. So that works. You haven't got sausage fingers left, No, well, I hope I can get it in the right place. It's good. I think that's good to know. He knows his name. Mm. He knows how people uh, regard him. That's funny. You would have thought because him being a king, he would be insulated no. from like the public and how... Well, I mean, his main contact with, you know, when he was prince, his main contact for getting sort of gauging the public um, temperature was through Jimmy, Jimmy Savile. He used to go to him for advice on speeches and stuff. You know, and Jimmy was a man of the people. And so Prince Charles would go to Jimmy Savile for advice. Now Jimmy's dead, so I, w- I thought he would have lost touch. You know, he would have lost his that, f- that f- finger on the pulse of the public dis- of the public discourse. No? Oh God! <sighs> hey, you can read the letters. I'm not making the show. No, I know. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they were they were tight, weren't they? Unfortunately <laughs> for him, nobody really talks about it, did they? I mean, they would be tight. It's sausage fingers, isn't they? Yeah. Um. Mm. I thought that's just like a bit of public awareness, self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he went up in my estimations after seeing that. Yeah, I'd about bet. one millimeter. See, if you if you <laughs> if you'd have watched the full series of The Crown, like we, yeah. me and Ben told you to, um, you would know that he's he's an avid reader of the press. Is he? Very, so allegedly, he, you know, he's very much concerned with how he comes across publicly. Do you think he watches this podcast? Uh, yeah, he it doesn't. Yeah, he devours all kind of media, even what? even gutter media like us. So what's he's below gutter media. Sewer media. What's his rationale for reading all the newspapers and stuff? <clears throat> I don't know. He didn't tell me, but um, it's in order to because he wants to be popular. Basically, that's the uh, that's the 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 theme or the idea I was getting from watching that. Wow, which we, we all know is based on facts. Right, 100%. Yeah, it was like a documentary. The Crown, all right, yeah. I thought it took a downturn from what I'd heard from people who watched it this last season. I've not watched it. Yeah, I've not watched the last half of this season. It's it's got that bad. It's got that bad, yeah. I won't watch it, I won't even finish it. Gone off my radar, yeah. It's gone gone into a shocker territory. Mr. Bates versus the post office, which made me extremely angry. My brother was telling me about this, the post That's office story. scandal. Yeah, it's ah. crazy, that, isn't it? The Horizon scandal. They What's have fucked the... is the fact it's taken a fucking drama documentary to for the government to now say that they're going to do something. But the inquiry is already ongoing. Yeah, it was before. Yeah. They yeah. Were, I thought it was all been sort of brought to light before that. Well, yeah. I was saying uh, that yeah, they'll yeah. get more well, attention they're, they're now. Shifting it forward. Once it gets a public attention, uh, things move quicker. But the inquiry was ongoing. Now, my, I was speaking to my mum about this, and I seem to this ringing the bell. So the, is it true that the post office prosecuted it themselves? They have their own prosecution, prosecution service, yeah. Which it's is like crazy, a, it's isn't a, it? It's a hangover from fucking hundreds of centuries yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. To keep it, so, you know, obviously no kind of in-house uh, story, whitewashing was going on around that then. Wouldn't think, would you? It's fucked. The whole thing is rotten to the core. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if any, you know, if there's any sort of 
legal ramifications for people in the post office at that time? Beheadings. If Beheadings, yeah. play by old rules, they must play by old rules. Imagine if um, the post office had to prosecute their own employees. Using their own laws. Yeah. So like a post office, is it not like akin to a franchise in a way? Don't know. They're not employed. I don't think you're employed no, yeah, by the post the office. Sub- postmaster owns the yeah the business. Don't it? Like, I think so. So it's yeah. like be some kind of weird franchise kind of situation. Um, but it went on for years, didn't it? With them yes. and and they knew allegedly. People went to prison. Yeah, people killed themselves. People killed themselves. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Ah, oh, annoys me. Maybe did make me very angry after Christmas. Actually. Did you? I've not, I've not watched it. What, what channel was that on? ITV. Oh, ITV. I don't. It's got it's like a, Wasn't it like a drum rather than a documentary, more of like a dramatization based on a true story? Yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, there was a documentary on the Friday of that week. That oh, had wow. the actual people in it. Right. It's been rumbling on for it. It's been going on for <laughs> since the late nineties. Yeah, and they're still coming forward. It's thousands of postmasters now. It yeah. is. Who, uh, and some of them have committed suicide, man. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's saying that horrific, gross yes. miscarriage. Of justice. I went out, to, uh, went out for tea with my brother on Thursday, and he, he's engrossed in it, and he's been following it for years. The story, Ooh, has he? Yeah, and he's like, he was like, Phil, you wouldn't believe the level of corruption and the behaviour of those at the top. I was like, mm. yeah, I would, I would, totally. It's like not surprising, like the people who run this podcast. As the most Absolutely. surprising thing to me is that it's come to light. I know. You know why yeah. It's come to light probably through <clears throat> incompetence and arrogance. Mm. And I said to him, like, what, it makes you wonder what's going on that we don't find out about. Mm. You know? Yeah. I said, you be I careful, think, uh, you'll end up being a conspiracy theorist. Analyst. Conspiracy therapist. I think it's... The people in power don't expect the small people to be so resilient and... It was one... Sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. It was down to one guy who started Picking, a group. I found something wrong. I'm going to pick at this. <coughs> but it started like a Facebook group or something. Inviting yeah, not, people not saying yeah. because the post office kept telling these people these postmasters you're the only one. Uh, this isn't happening it's you. The they were gaslighting the them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no it's way. only you. So this one guy set up a group like an online group saying, yeah. is this happening to anyone else? Well, he was and ringing round and and they met in like a village hall in the middle of nowhere. And now, and now it's thousands of them coming mm. forward. Mm. It's like, and I said, some brothers are like, how many postmasters are there? If there's thousands coming forward, how many well, postmasters? One for are there? every post office. There's... Well, how many post offices are there in Preston? The really interesting thing is, is that it, it, there's a geopolitical angle to this. Oh, here we go. Well, it's the Japanese. It was Fujitsu, is it? Oh, yeah, it was the... Yeah. Who, who, who designed the system. And um, the Japanese were lobbying the British government put a lid on this ah <laughs> uh, right okay yeah so they'll put that toyota plant in sunderland or wherever yeah uh, maybe yeah. or maybe we'll just throw an earthquake at them throw, <laughs> yeah. throw an earthquake at tokyo like we did last week yeah the super weapon what's that the giant Sca- the scalar waves king keith's just done a video on it about that earthquake in uh, tokyo wow he's saying if you he, he, he did the math <laughs> he did, did the math. math he found the position of the sun that's that US base in southern England. Yes. Um, with, the, with the giant sounding bar. <laughs> yeah. It's the same distance 
from there to Tokyo or something to the to where the sun was. <gasps> oh, I'll pull, uh, well, I won't put a link in the show notes because I'm never going to remember. Can but, you go? You did you did it a little bit like Arnie then? So do it. <laughs> massive scalar <laughs> beams. Wow. Yes. A load of bollocks. If you, you fuck our, our post offices up, we'll send an earthquake at you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, anyway, should we move on to less less serious, less, less serious topics? Come on, it's late. It's a wrap. The sun's getting low. Um, sports ball manager Potato Face sports sports ball manager Wayne Rooney got sacked this week. Yes, did you see? From Birmingham, was it? Birmingham well, I know, I know he's been sacked. Yeah, yeah, That's about it. Um, I'm not surprised really when you hear about what happens in the dressing room during his team talks. Wayne Rooney admits he'd have sucked his entire Birmingham team off at half time if he'd had the chance. Wow. No wonder they all want to leave. Wow. Yeah. Want him out. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that, should you? No. 22 logs. <laughs> 22 shots in the mouth. Imagine getting paid £400,000 a week and being sucked <laughs> off on a Saturday. <laughs> but by Wayne Rooney. four hundred grand, there, mate. <laughs> it's a tough, tough decision, that. I don't think I could do it. Do you think you could muster anything for him? I think it would just be like... Uh, so you could do something. Show us your tits, Wayne. <laughs> um, his cat wasn't impressed. Wayne Rooney's scouse cat wasn't impressed at oh, the decision yeah. to sack him. Seen all of Beautiful. these videos. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and you sent none of them to us, so thanks for that. But never mind, because, you know, Wayne's got a, a career, a budgeting career in MMA to fall back on. Hang on a minute. Is that the Scouse cat? you. <laughs> giant um, table of drugs paraphernalia behind him. The uh, the ninja? Yeah. Rooney is the, the MMA training. Rooney is what, the ninja. What drugs did he have behind him? It just looked like lots of drugs, but it probably wasn't. <laughs> I can see half a pint of piss. Half a, <laughs> half a pint of piss and some drugs, I think. All right. Oh, well, eagle-eyed viewers. Yeah. Zoom in on that. Zoom let us know in the rotate and enhance. Hey, let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite yeah. drugs. Uh, you know who he blames for losing his job at Birmingham? He blames Bojo the Clown. Ever since he put this ancient, he put this ancient curse on him. 
I know, I know, I know, but we were we, we, how, how, we, we're full of it. I know, I know, I know, but we were how, how, we're full of energy. I'm full of energy. And, uh... Wow. What the fuck? That's, yeah. that's a Babylon. Babylon working there. It is, isn't it? It's just like something from The Exorcist. Yeah. Starts like you know, Fethel. go fuck yourself, <laughs> you stupid little pimp. Yeah, get back yourself to Zimbabwe. Mm. Yeah, oh well. Oh god, yeah, that that one. Yeah, I deleted it. I deleted it because it was too um, too, too haunting. Yeah, it was haunting. Trump gasm. She's almost here. That's a Trump gasm. That. Is. Fuck you! <laughs> oh, God. Right, um, have we time for one more? This one. Yeah, yeah on. it's, a, it's a bit of a long one, but I think it's something we can all relate to. We've all had Wi-Fi problems, haven't we? On and off. It's, it's nothing more annoying than when the Wi-Fi goes out. <sighs> I mean, We're so used to it, aren't we? Having instant access to the internet all To the everything, time. information all of the time. God, on, it's like an absolute nightmare when the Wi-Fi goes down. Our fingertips. Mm. Yep. So uh, you got to sympathise for this guy. Hey, I live next door. I've got problems with the Wi-Fi. Okay. Uh, okay. So why are you here to me? Well, it's your Wi-Fi, isn't it? Have you done so? Okay, but I've got a problem with my Wi-Fi. Well, I, I've got problems with your Wi-Fi. You put a password on it. Uh, what do you mean? Look, I've been... How long have I been here now? I've been here two years. I've happily used the Wi-Fi, and uh, now I see that you, you've uh, put a password on it, and I can't use it. I think you're being unreasonable. Wow. Wow, free Wi-Fi. Entitled. Much. I know, yeah, imagine just, just sucking... At the teeth of your neighbour's Wi-Fi. No, I think he's got... He's coming up. He's got an absolute bulletproof case here. And he makes a great point, I'm afraid. Sorry, what? Sorry. Wait, what? What did you say? Look, look, it's very simple. You have Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, I've I been, yeah, I've I have been, Wi-Fi, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Well, I've been happily using your Wi-Fi now for a couple of years... And all of a sudden, you put a, a password on it, and I've yeah. got no access. I tell you what, you let me have your password, and that's that's uh, that's the end of the problem. Yeah, but uh, hold a minute. You've been using my Wi-Fi. Well, I don't know how much of of your Wi-Fi it is. I mean, you know, it's a signal, isn't it? Right. Well, the signal doesn't remain just within your four walls. So, what comes out here? It's, it's, public, it's on public property, right? Well, what do they call him? Uh, am I being detained? What are they called? Global citizen. A free man of the land. One of those twats. It's public. So I can, I can use yeah, the signal. Okay but, like, okay, but now you can't because I put a password on it. Yeah, that, that's it. That's exactly right. So, look, there's two things we can do. One is, and I think the easiest thing is, let me have your password. <laughs> uh, or, of course, you can always remove your password. I mean, it's 
pretty easy, really. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, and that would solve like, the problems for both of us, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, though, is like I'm paying for it, and like why? Yeah, yeah but the thing is that, like, okay, so I put password in it. Yeah, I put password on it because yeah. my Wi-Fi was being really slow, and my broadband s- suggested for me to put a password on it to make it yes. faster. And, and but obviously, because they thought other people were using it, and coincidentally, well, I, someone they, else was yeah. using it. No, is a complete sentence. It needs to be waffling now. No, I, th- I think that's very unreasonable. I mean, unreasonable. you know, it's got to be My a, a bit of given... because someone else was using it, and coincidentally, it was you who was using it. Well, it was probably me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've established that. And then my Wi-Fi was being slower inside my house, so my broadband suggested well, we it, password on I, it. So look, I don't, I don't mind how slow it runs, actually. You know, it, I... No, 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 I, no, I understand that my... you don't mind how, how slow it runs, but I do. Well, okay, but that's the Wi-Fi within your house. What about the Wi-Fi that's coming out the walls? And that's what I'm using. I I don't mind how slow that runs. It's uh, good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that Wi-Fi is still mine. Well, okay, if you want to use some of it. I mean, you can sit in your garden and you can use the Wi-Fi there. I don't mind. But if you've got a lot of work to do, maybe you can let me know that you're using it so that... uh, you know, it doesn't interfere with the downloading. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm. It's like, if it comes through your walls, it's mine, isn't it? What Your signal's in my house now. Can I use it? Yeah, you should be able to. You shouldn't really. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have to put start putting Faraday cages around our houses <laughs> to stop people... Will my lead paint help with this? Uh, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like right now I put a password on it, so then like now it's just mine. Yeah, well you can't, you know. I'm sorry, old, old fruit bugger. Old fruit, old fruit bugger. <laughs> Did you say old fruit bugger? Old yeah. fruit bugger. <laughs> old fruit bugger. Yeah, well you can't, you know. I'm sorry, old, old fruit bugger. You're being unreasonable. It's not neighbourly. What we're trying, you know, we're trying to be neighbourly about these things. So you keep your Wi-Fi within the house, lock the windows, close the door, seal up the letterbox, but anything that comes out through the walls is public. But it's not public, though, is it? <sighs> on and on. Uh, yeah. I wonder how long <laughs> that went on after he stopped recording. Ad nausea. Mm. <coughs> <coughs> oh, well. And that's why... No, I won't say it. Something about women. No. <laughs> That's not your normal go-to, Ben. No, it's not. Dave. Right. Right, stunned into sounds. Yes. Let's move up. Let's uh, fuck off into the night. Yeah, the sun is getting low. Oh, See you later, me old fruit buggers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. Yeah. This incredible team. They are so good. They are an incredible team. Next week we have a global citizen on. Oh, do we? A Willie G. Ah, oh, oh, we've got a historian on next week. Oh. He's got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go! We have got a big guest coming up in February, I believe. <coughs> oh. Is it Maria Margoyles? It's a Hollywood movie star. Is it? Really? It's the first yeah. I've heard of it. No, you don't remember. You're pretty drunk. Oh. 
You have to remind me in, in two minutes. Okay. <coughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, boss. Yeah, so we'll be back next, uh, next week. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. Yeah. Anna, El Etifaki, uh, see you soon. And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. Are you not entertained? Okay, so long. So long until I jerk a knot in your ass. Wow. Jerk a knot in your ass. So long, gay boy. Get home with the TV now. Ah. You're a big chungus. Who's got the biggest cock? Probably the CERN Abbott Giant. Mm. What thought. Thank you for watching. Right, see you next week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, uh, Bye. Bye. Literally a communist. It is bonkers. I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil, that, uh... <sighs> And it really bothers me uh, 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 because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. <sighs> uh. Oh, with somebody. Fuck Graham Hancock. <laughs> Eyes. I'm about to catch another flight. I'm about to make him want to bite. I came out into the front yard and the dogs were across the road. And as soon as they saw me, they came bounding over. And I just made it into the front door in time. I was petrified. Oh my god, he's wiped his ass. No. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Hope you have a Chungus crewmate day.